They're playing the emergency CD. Does that mean the Queen's dead? Yes, the Drive by the Cars. Thank you, thank thank you for the correction, Hugh. Yes, Drive by the Cars. Um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Set Piece Menu live in London. <laughs> listen, I listen to enough American podcasts to know that this will fail completely with the British audience, but I'm going to try it anyway. They tend to introduce themselves, after which, when they say their name, there's huge applause because you're so excited to see us. So, hello, I'm Hugh Ferris. <laughs> I'm Rory Smith. And I'm Stephen Wyeth. There was a different note to each of those. Interesting. They respect you. They love him. They love you. I I wondered whether I should go with the style of football commentator announcing a player's name as he's striking the ball from the edge of the penalty area only for it to sail into the stand. We could have done the thing that they do at grounds where we say the first name and they have to do the, (laughs) the surname. That, that would have been a, a European version of that. What a um, shame there's no next time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a shame. Uh, later we'll be joined by Nader Manua, uh, at which point you can applaud him. Don't give him two. Um, so Nader's coming up shortly. Now, the show this evening is split into, um, rather fittingly, a match and then extra time. That doesn't mean after dark, it's not going to be rude. Uh, The match, though, is something of relative value compared to the completely farcical extra time that we'll be giving you a little bit later on. The match is also uh, fittingly split into two halves. The first half will be us three doing the thing that we've done for more than five years. And the second half, Nathan will come on and spoil it. Um, Not to talk about his book, I should say, uh, because these guys have uh, allowed me enough self-indulgence to get the point that I'm not allowed to mention the book, apart from to say it's available for sale outside. Um, And uh, you can also listen to SPM 270 to find out more about the book. Uh, There's a plug for that. Uh, Fittingly, also, as a new media star, we'll be inserting Nadem into one of our SPM greatest hits conversations, Bias in Punditry, and how some uh, are trying their best, at least, to avoid it. Then the extra time after the interval uh, is some brief silliness. A select 11 live here tonight in London, and also a quiz, which is chiefly there to embarrass these two. And having promised prizes over the years and never delivered them, this time we have a suitably cheap and underwhelming prize for one member of the audience. So uh, look forward to that, all of you, as the faces drop. (laughs) Uh, That prize, by the way, is not a free copy of Mr., or indeed kicking back, mainly because there's actually, I think, only one copy of Mr. that's been brought by the Stanchion Books tonight. In existence. In that's existence, it. but almost full price, so you'll I get your 12p out of I it. I was greeted with the words that it was out of print, which has not done my confidence any good at all. <laughs> we wanted to also let you um, know, with advance warning, what our Select 11 is going to be, because you're going to be contributing to it, uh, everybody. So it is going to be a Select 11. You might have seen it on Twitter already because we have enlisted the hive mind out there to help us as well, just in case you draw a blank. It will be an SPM Select 11. All those players that we mentioned far too frequently, ad nauseam, uh, and so we will construct a, an 11 of all those players that we have banged on about far too much over the course of the last five and a half years. Uh, now, we don't have a correspondence section, obviously, on today's podcast. Uh, because you're all here, and we can see you're happy. Um, but I did want to mention at least those who, uh, since our most recent part, have sent in the kind of gushing valedictory messages that warm our cockles. So, to David Lindores, Brian Lyman, Ian Stewart, 
James Palacino, Ryan Hand, Asim Modi, and Buffalo's Ewan Hague and Chris Wilkerson. Thank you. You're not getting any of it read out, so that has to be satisfactory to you. And also to two of our SPM PLPL champions, Jacob Davis and Matt Lishman, the latter of whom, Roy, you'll be pleased to hear, actually gamed out that European Regional League idea on a sumptuous spreadsheet. We mentioned it on the last pod. Thank you to you too, Matt. It'll be sent to Rory to claim his own work at some point in the near future. I will miss the people who send us spreadsheets more than the people who send us poetry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, here we go then. The football is this evening, in part prompted by an email from Binyamin Novetsky, who on account of getting a mention on the final show is immediately, and others who consider themselves in the reckoning would say, rashly endowed with the title of Buffalo. So congratulations to Binyamin. A, a round of applause, a slightly delayed and, and bitter round of applause from is all that, those people. Is who that the last one? That. Is, that the la- is that the last Buffalo? I have no idea. I'm feeling, I'm feeling frisky. Um, so then, the football is uh, partly prompted by Binyamin, who recently wrote this. Dear Paul Pogba, Paolo Dybala and Kylian Mbappe. Recently, Rory's co-worker, not friend, Tarek Panja, has been speaking a lot about the sudden and radical shift in the transfer market brought about by the decisions of a few significant players choosing to run down their contracts and enter the open market as free agents or free transfers, as opposed to signing extensions and then requesting transfers as uh, Philippe Coutinho did in back, back in 2018. Uh, Tarek even got into a bit of a friendly Twitter tiff with the American journalist Grant Wall about this issue and their back and forth made me think this was premium content for SPM to discuss. Neither of those... Uh, those parts of the conversation will be reflected here because we're not intelligent enough to do that. To summarize, what has long been the standard choice in American sports is becoming a more popular choice in football. American athletes almost always run down their contracts and enter free agency in order to maximize their new salaries without having to accept lower numbers that take into account the price of transfers or trade. Sincerely, Benjamin Levetsky, future SPM American sports correspondent. Going to be satisfied with Buffalo, I'm afraid, because that does not exist as a post that is going to be filled. Binyamin's thoughts prompted further thoughts about how the game might go in a world without SPM. It's like the infuriating interview question. Where will you see yourself in five years? Well, we're asking football. And because it can't answer for itself, here we are to decide on its behalf. The conversation will serve as a Nostradamus-like prophecy that will probably give birth to some sort of low-level cult. Are you an SPM believer? That's not the question. The question is, football, we've been talking about you for five years on Set Piece Menu, but where do you want to be in five years' time? Perhaps we'll start with a T. No, we won't. Uh, Perhaps we'll start with any potential seismic changes in transfers and move on to other topics after that. So what, uh, what do you think about the argument between Grant and Tarek and about the future prospect of an American-style free agency system, which, of course, I love the idea of because, let's be honest, I'm one-dimensional. I haven't seen that tiff. This is very upsetting. I like seeing um, professionals argue and debase themselves on social media. Who won? Do we know? I don't think you ever get a winner when it's a high-level argument with two intelligent people. It will have been Tarek. Right. Tarek would have won. (laughs) I also have a supplementary question. What's the kind of broadcast nature of this evening? Uh, We will beep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But when when have you ever asked that question before? Well, I mean, I presume one of the technological wizards who look after the you podcast... You never seem bothered about whether beeps are required. I'm not otherwise. bothered when you're editing. Right, okay. <laughs> the do you want to say just a rude word? Or do you no, want to I tell a whole just disgraceful story? I need to know if I can slide people off safely. Well, if, if you can do an edit point before and after, okay. that I can retain the overall sense of the podcast. Okay. Otherwise, we'll just play out the sounds of a motorway with cars going past for about three minutes. Fine. 
Yeah, they're going to run. They're gonna, I'm not, not in this bit. I'm not about to sign anybody off now. It's just generally for me to know, so I feel okay. safe. <laughs> the, just when it pops into your mind. They, yeah, they're going to run their contracts down because there's so few teams that can pay them the money they want. So you will see that becoming more and more frequent as, as time goes on, I think, that players will think, I will sign a contract for... It's always been like a, like a balance between the security of a long-term contract and the potential riches if you have a short-term contract. And players have generally been advised to stick with the security. But I think for that like, group of players who earn loads of money, once you've... You know, you've been on 350 grand a week for three years. Do you really need to worry about the future? Probably not. So you'll sign a three-year contract, let it run until the last year, and then either use that as leverage to get a sale, or you'll run it right down and walk and do an Erling Haaland and be transferred for 51 million pounds. <laughs> but what, why Plus 40 million. Why, why hasn't this happened before? Because if you think about the Bosman ruling, opening up that possibility of a player running down the contract, becoming a free agent, allowed to make that decision without the club controlling that player's destiny, it's baffling to think that this hasn't happened before. Why does it take Kylian Mbappe to figure out? And I appreciate that Kylian Mbappe did it and then eventually stayed, which is the other way that free agency can sometimes mm -hmm. work. But the principle remains, he negotiated that new contract with the prospect of not having a fee being attached to it so other clubs could offer him more and therefore he can get more off PSG. Well, Usman Dembele's done it this week, hasn't he? He's re-signed with Barcelona. For less, as a, though. But for less. Yeah. But he is still a new sign-in, which is part of Barcelona's baffling financial strategy. My main prediction for where is football in five years, not at Barcelona. <laughs> that's my, that's my, my ab abiding belief. But yeah, they, I guess it's just tradition that it's embarrassing. Maybe Nadim will have views on this. I think it's maybe embarrassing for players to be underemployed for a while. Paulo Dybala's had like three weeks without a club, which is a bit for a player of his level. It's probably a little bit like... Mm. Is that not where the theory potentially falls down, though? Because you're talking about the only the very, very elite can deal in those circumstances with any confidence that yeah. they will be fine. Dybala is a good case in point as somebody that you would think, well, any number of European clubs would have wanted him the minute he became available. But he was technically available to sign a pre-contract from January. Yeah. And, and nobody really, until Roma a couple of weeks ago, thought they were going to go for and it. And even Roma's not Real Madrid. It's not no, like exactly. he's had to kind of accept working with Jose Mourinho. I refuse to believe Paolo for six months went into this. Yeah, that's true. Went into this whole thinking, th th this whole thing thinking, the end of this is that I get to be shouted at by Jose Mourinho. That won't have been his plan. No, that is, that's the risk that you take, but he'll still be on quite a lot of money and he'll have got a massive signing on fee. But in terms of the money and the job satisfaction, the the, the only, only yeah. very, very few players will be able to, to go about that approach and think this is going to work out very nicely for me in the way it did for him. Well, even Pogba. Like, I, I, don't, I don't believe that Pogba wanted to end up back at Juve at 29. That, was, that won't have been his end game. It would have been PSG or Real Madrid. And, then he's and again, a huge pay cut. W w yeah. You would imagine. Yeah, well, certainly so based on his performances. The, the, the main barrier to this being pervasive is self-esteem, and that footballers are worried about looking like underemployed idiots. They don't want to. Money in football is never about money. That, that's a set piece menu greatest hit, isn't it? That's a, just that sentence. Let's leave it there. <laughs> the, but yeah, no, it's status. They d if you're if you're an elite player or Paul Pogba, and you've had <laughs> and you've had however many years at the top or quite near it, like Paul Pogba, then you will. You don't want to be like the guy who's not got a job. You, that's really especially embarrassing. If you've got a, especially if you've got a, a LeBron James-like online got a documentary. documentary. Yeah, <laughs> the Pogmentary, which should have been cancelled when they gave it that title. Good, good to discover, by the way, that there are no Paul Pogba 
truthers in here. I don't know. There was no jeers at that moment. You there were no jeers, that's true. The, um, well, yeah, we're a bit into truthers at the moment. We've, we've been debating whether David... Hang on, was it David Cottrell or is it the one? David Cottrell is correct to assert that the fires have been caused by lasers today <laughs> um, and that climate change is a myth perpetrated by COVID or something. But, yeah, there are obviously no Paul Podber truthers. That will be a conspiracy, that Paul Podber has been invented by the MSM or something, I don't know. Um, but, no, that is embarrassing for Podba to have to go back, and it's it is a little bit embarrassing for Dybala to not have a club, and that will be the thing that, that the players think about. But the other thing that's worth... This is more serious. Players don't look paid a lot of money, but they spend a lot of money as well. They have a lifestyle that they get used to, and more importantly, they, they quite often have to support dozens of people, and they, th those people, they are keenly aware, are kind of reliant on them for their earnings, and some of them will be like the entourage... Nadem arrived with 15 different staff members. <laughs> and some of them will be like, particularly true of African and South American players, they send money home and they support huge communities. And in that situation, you don't want to be like, well, I'm not earning for a bit, because that has real-world effects on real-world real world people. It's not the money that they get, it tends not to just like stay in their pockets. So, uh, okay, so there's a, a self-esteem barrier, there's, there's the entourage barrier, um, but there is... Also, I imagine uh, a PR barrier. Do they? You said you, d you don't want to see them, or they don't want to see that that they have run down their contracts because of how it would be seen by others in terms of their value. But also in terms of those people who support them, the fans, won't they think twice about supporting them thereafter? I mean, is there, are there any PSG fans who are going to say you did that to our club to get more money out of our club? Do I like you a little bit less now, Kylian Mbappe? Do, do, do they have to consider the PR aspect of doing that, even if it means at the end of it they are more successful because they have earned more money? Yeah, but the, the elite players that we're talking about are those who now consider themselves to be bigger than the clubs that they play for. So that's why they can get away with approaching it in that fashion. Mbappe's behavior, I even if you thought it was wrong or misjudged, will be forgotten mm. because he is bigger than PSG and will continue to be so for the duration of his career. And, in the, and, and someone else will come along, there will be others. Mm. It's only a handful of players but we remember that when Ronaldo left Real Madrid and went to Juventus, there was more or less the number of Instagram, Twitter followers that Real Madrid lost, Juventus gained overnight. And that will probably become more prevalent. The, in the Mbappe thing, he was, they did like fireworks. They, they got completely f***ed in a negotiation. And then they put him in a big stadium full of people to celebrate him f***ing them. That was... <laughs> Like, if he, if he wasn't bigger than PSG then, before that, he definitely was afterwards. It was the most tin pot thing I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of Manchester City's promotional videos. <laughs> the, the, it was extraordinary. Like, it was genuine. It was mental. It sounds kind of voyeuristic, the way that you describe it, but yes. No, yeah. I mean, unnecessarily <laughs> I mean, how much f***ing have you been watching recently? The, the, I've got a six-month-old daughter, Hugh. <laughs> The, no, it was it, it, the fact that they, were, that they even tried to spin it like that was yeah. astonishing. And then the fact that people swallowed it was even more astonishing. Like that was, Mbappe played PSG 100% and got this insane, this nuts deal where not only did he get like a $70 million signing on fee and the contract and the money that they turned down from Real last season, which admittedly probably wasn't real money, but also delivered by laser. Um, <laughs> 
and then he now gets to choose the chef and the sign-ins and all that stuff. Well, like the, the growth, the growth of player as also sporting director. Yeah, it, it's, it's a humiliation for PSG, but they celebrated it as a as a triumph. But the, the, yes, and the final point on this before we move on to one of the different subjects that we have planned, because yeah, we made plans. Um, that there is a sense that even though they're an elite player, an elite club who can afford the whole shenanigans and the, the X-rated nonsense that, uh, that Rory mentioned, is that you are in a position where surely enough players will think, at my level, even if it's not elite level, I can make that work for me. I can do it. I might not be earning 355,000 grand a week. I might not be getting fireworks, but I might be able to at least get a, an incremental increase that allows me to do everything that I wanted to do, just like Kylian Mbappe does on a otherworldly level. And that worked for Aaron Ramsey when he left Arsenal for Juventus. A massive pay hike and things didn't work out for him. And he ended up at Rangers where things also didn't work out for him. They worked out for him in, in, in one sense. More financially, though, didn't they? even yeah. in terms of... Aaron Ramsey's not sitting there in his golden house thinking, I really regret my time at Juventus, is he? I don't think so. If the, if I don't know if Aaron Ramsey has regret. Some sad music in the background. Does he strike you've been like a really regretful person? He's got quite sad eyes. Do you think there's like a, a half-drunk glass of wine in front of him on, on the He's coffee table? He's just sort of staring out And, and drive the by yeah. the cars is playing I should have just top. stayed at Arsenal for less money where I could have been disappointed there instead. Although, to be fair, what, what's he missed at Arsenal? Yeah. That would be my other retort. He's got a couple of Serie A titles, has Remember where We're we are. London. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you for uh, spreading out your insults fairly and... and, and That's what I meant. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, so let, let's move on to the, to the other part of the money, uh, which is the, the Super League and the way that the money is divvied up and the money coming into the game via those nations who may be interested in sports washing or may not be. Don't tell Nadim. Is that okay, Nadim? That's fine. Um, so there... The money that comes into the game, is that going to come from the kind of sources that we've seen over the course of the, the much disputed and considered and talked about sensibly sources that have come in over the course of the last particularly year and a half and those people who have that money at the top of the game and are those people at the top of the game who have that money going to be further challenged by those who want to break away into the Super League because they need to get parity financially somehow? I think you'll see in five years' time it will be the case that Every season in the Champions League, the expectation is that three of the four semi-finalists will be English, and one, the other one will be either a, like a Real or the ghost of Barcelona, <laughs> or Bayern or PSG. The, the, the gulf between the Premier League and everywhere else will grow exponentially. If you look at Italy this season, they've lost Matthias de Ligt, they've lost Kaladu Koulibaly as a league, um, they've re-signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic, exciting. Exciting news from 2010, re-signing Zlatan. They're, they're, they're signing older players. Bremer's gone from Torino to Juventus today, which is probably quite smart, but it's like second-level second players and older superstars. The best players leave the league and generally they go for one of the super clubs or England. Um, I, am, I am professionally required to tell you that Serie A was phenomenal last season <laughs> and the coverage on BT Sport will be even better for 2022-23. But this is the thing, that, that the quality of player isn't related to the enjoyment of the entertainment. And that's something that I think... Yeah, if they're all mediocre, then, then it's Steve fun. will have some good games. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's like we, most of us don't have a clue what we're watching. Like Nadam explained something to us in the green room downstairs about a goal that he, he commentated on that was blamed on Alex Iwobi, because that's the knee-jerk thing. It's probably Alex Iwobi's fault. But the, the actual mistake was the right-back. 
I don't know that when I watch a football match. You don't know that when you watch a football match. You definitely don't. And <laughs> most of us don't. And what we want is like drama and jeopardy and entertainment. And it doesn't really matter. So Serie A is fascinating to watch and is good fun. But the time I saw Alex Awoibi last season, he scored a goal. So as far as I'm concerned, he's a phenomenal He's a genius. Yeah? The, um... And the... edit point. <laughs> <laughs> you ruin an edit point if you laugh. You don't laugh. If you put that edit point in, you're laughing at him saying, but. Yeah. And I appreciate that's hilarious and has been for many years, but it doesn't help me in the post. Unnecessarily, <laughs> feels unnecessarily personal. <laughs> the, yeah, most of us don't understand necessarily the, like the details of what we're seeing. You can appreciate a messy goal and you, know, you can appreciate the brilliant intricacy of Barcelona, but you can enjoy a game between two fairly mediocre teams just as much if it ends in a 3-2 win and there's a last-minute goal. That's brilliant. The, yeah, it doesn't matter that Serie A loses its best players from an entertainment point of view, but you will see that gap increase. There will be fewer times when teams from other countries can stand up to Premier League teams in Europe and the Super League 3 will keep pushing to change something until, until they find a way to compete. I think we might see a continental Super League. So the, the, the argument that that Barcelona are, if, if they were to continue to exist as a thing, one of the reasons that they might be sending all this money down the road and, 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 and paying down now to be able to pay it back at some weird point in the future, which is undetermined, is that they are bank completely, literally banking on a Super League eventually happening in which they have a large stake, competitively, financially. So if teams like that are genuinely selling their future down the river because of the potential of the Super League happening, then they're going to, you're right, they're going to carry on pushing, 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 and they will not relent. So there must be, is there not going to be some other point down the road or down the river, at which point there will be another coming together where everybody has to make a decision about what part of football they like and don't like? Well, the issue is going to be that not necessarily where the money is coming from, but where it's going because there will be no cascading down. That's why Italy, for example, might continue to lose its best players, because money won't drip down from the Premier League to them through, through transfer fees, because if the elite players aren't moving for transfers, then the next rung down will be, be devalued yeah. by in, in terms of what their transfer value is. So not only will the money, you know, we, we could get on to what, you know, how lower league, league one, league two, non-league clubs might suddenly struggle because they are no longer able to sell their players up the chain because mm. Premier League clubs' money is going out to the players that they are signing onto huge contracts with the 20 million for the agent and the 20 million for the, for the, the parents, for the family. So those mid-ranked Premier League clubs who were bringing players up from the championship will no longer be doing so. Well, they'll be waiting for those players to, to run out of contract because they won't have transfer fees to spend. And that will be the same for those other leagues around Europe who have been relying on Premier League money to at least try and get close to competing with the Premier League in the Champions League. That, it's that, really depressing that face that yeah. Rory gave halfway through that answer is him landing upon an idea for a column <laughs> yeah. in future weeks. We're the used thing to he's it. going to miss the most about the podcast, <laughs> yeah. not our company. Say, I'm going to have to call Steve like once a week <laughs> to just get an idea for something that he's thought of that I haven't. That's a really good point. I'd never thought of that. But yeah, there is a massive... This, this is basically the basis of our relationship. Yeah. 
you I talk steal a your lot, ideas. Yeah. And then occasionally I say something and yeah. you, you mentally note it down. Quantity, yeah. Yes, quantity, quantity. The, but but that, yeah. that, that also speaks to the whole idea of that the, the competitive imbalance, which is something that we've spoken about a lot over the course of the years, is that if there is a widening gap, the widening gap will not only be a competitive imbalance, it will be a a demarcation point at which point no money passes over. It will be a no man's land and there'll be a fission. They will split yeah. and at no point will they even have relevance to each other because if the money isn't flowing down, then where's the connectivity that you might have with any sort of player turnover, a player pool, a player progression? None of it's going to be, none of it's going to be working in the same world. Well, we'll see more Oldham Athletics who drop down the divisions and mismanagement is further magnified by the fact that there's no influx of money because they managed to sell you know, one promising player for a million quid to dig them out of the latest hole and there'll be more that, that plummet down because there will be no escape route. But at the same time, the standard of lead one and lead two will get higher because there are more and more, you see this in France now, where all, so like in the Coupe de France every year, and which I know we all watch religiously, in the early rounds there's always like some village team from the 17th division Sometimes from, from the 17th century. Like from <laughs> <laughs> there's always a seven. There's always like Marseille will play Versailles. <laughs> there's always like a Louis the 14th team. What's that period of history called? I've no idea. Uh, that's it. Thank oh, you. Got, what an audience we've got. Uh, that, that is amazing. That wasn't necessarily the first call out from the audience that I was expecting this evening, but. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for, for making us once again confirmed middle class white men doing a podcast. Amazing. <laughs> the, um, yeah, no, the 17th division, Stephen, and they beat like Lons or whoever. And it's like what, another shock in the Coupe de France. But the reason is that all of the kids playing for the 17th division teams in France are from PSG's academy because they just hoover them all up and then they kick them all out and sign Messi. And you'll see the same in England where the industrial level of, of talent that the, the Premier League academies now take in will start to bleed out into Oldham, and it's, it's July, and I have this problem in July where I can't actually name any football teams. I've forgotten all of them. Salisbury, do they have one? No? That, that sounds like a 17th century this, team. Th if this feels like a bit, it's genuine. I'm not sure I could name the entire Premier League at this point. Apparently, he told us, and I, it, it is a bit, but he told us he couldn't remember the top six. Like, the big six. Like, he couldn't I didn't remember say those that. teams. I said I had to think who was in it, because I couldn't remember Tottenham. Sorry. <laughs> the, um, it's because they wasted away doing those 42 lengths in pre-season. I, I genuinely don't think I could name the entire Premier League. You're it will change in order. You're like, you you like sort of an elderly person going senile. You can remember what the situation was in the 1980s, but if someone told you, like, right now, what's the top six? You, you're laughing you now, <laughs> but if this turns out to be some sort of condition, then, <laughs> then you're going to feel really bad, Steve. Well, you won't, you won't remember that we're all laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so you'll find that, like, the... You see it already, like, there's loads of teams in the lower leagues now who play quite good football, and it's just they've got the players to do it. And that will keep on happening. So you will have this massive disparity where, yeah, the money's not trickling down either domestically or internationally, but the standard gets higher in, in the Championship League 1 and League 2, and possibly lower. Is, is there not a dystopian version of that, though, where instead of what you're predicting, actually all youth team footballers are contracted to either Manchester City or Chelsea. Yes. And their, their academies are actually sort of larger than some towns and have like better infrastructure. You know, they have like a fully functioning integrated transport system to get people around. And a theme and park. The, <laughs> and and, and uh, only when one of those two big clubs decides that that player definitely, definitely isn't going to make it, might they be allowed to go and join Nottingham Forest. 
Yeah, but even so, they're probably better than like the 34-year-old hoofer who's been playing for Notts County or whatever for, for the last 20 years. That standard will will definitely that will still have an impact, especially but the type of football. But will City or Chelsea ever let them off the reins early enough for that to be an option for? It doesn't well, matter you, if they just loan them every yeah, year. Yeah, they loan them every year, get the fee, and then and bank it basically. Well, I'm glad that we've got to dystopia at this uh, early point of the evening. We were hoping to kind of. Uh, just crescendo to that point, but uh, can we think of anything positive before we bring our, our guest on? Is there anything that you think that will actually improve in football without us? Because I know that's an oxymoron, but still. I think, I think we should all be really excited by the greater glorification of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I think that's... Champions League final in New York. Bit of trip. The... And but you'd have to go to the office and you'd rather not do that. Between Newcastle and Manchester City. That is, the, that is the, just played again and again and again. That is the future of football. Newcastle, what happens with Newcastle will be really interesting. So what we're saying is that positive from our point of view as we cynically look on from the sidelines as journalists will be interesting as opposed to just generally having some sort of brighter sky in the future or one, at least one aspect of the game or its surrounding industrial complex that'll make us think, ah, that's better than five years ago when that uh, trifling little podcast said goodbye. I've got one. No one's ever going to say that. <laughs> Come on. The, the one thing people aren't short of is football podcasts. My, my main prediction for football in the next five years is there'll be a f load more podcasts. <laughs> the, I think we probably might argue less about VAR. Does that count as a positive? Oh, Stephen, your eyes brighten. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did hear somebody hosting say at half-time, why didn't the referee just go to VAR? And you can imagine what I was screaming at the television. So even in a positive, we found a negative, which is uh, <laughs> something in keeping with Stephen's contributions. That's at the very least. Uh, we're going to move on to the final section of this part of the conversation. We're going to bring up uh, a guest. It is fitting that after all these episodes that we should provide you with something of a smooth segue. Was it? Mm, I'm not entirely sure. It is exactly what you think of when you think of SPM. You think of a smooth segue. Uh, one thing we can guarantee that in five years' time, in five years' time, our guest tonight will be a media superstar. There's the segue. If he wants to be, because not only does he detest the word punditry, so don't mention it in front of him, he might swan off and be very good at something else, because he's done that before. He's already proved himself a unique voice in the industry. He was pretty good at football too. And did you know he's also written an auto... But okay, I won't mention it. I won't mention it. Please welcome Nader Manuaha! Hi there. I've, I've listened to all of that. And do you disregard it all? Any notes? <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm conflicted because obviously I was a player, but I'm very much also trying not to be a player as well. So when I hear some of those things, I'm like, yeah, I get that point. Ooh, but I don't like that point. I shouldn't share that point with other players. But I, I, get, I get where you're coming from with a lot of that, and it's, uh, it's interesting. Where we started, you actually didn't, didn't but also liked the idea when uh, you left QPR, you were without a club for a while. Yes. And you, you enjoyed not playing and you felt like football yes. was something that you could do without but at the same time you were a bit anxious because you thought hang on a minute this is I a bit weird I, I was anxious for probably about two weeks that summer so this okay. is 2018 so you don't think it's necessarily all footballers who would feel like no. you so actually they might be anxious enough to not run down their contracts and not want to be a free agent I think in my story that period just confirmed to me that like I had a life outside of football because it's the same now so I'm, I'm still in good shape I could still be playing 
And when I see like people doing preseason and all that stuff on TV, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I'm not playing football. Whereas I know other people who are looking for clubs right now who are like, oh, I really want to be a part of that. I'm like, more power to you, but I'm going to stay here and just sit in my house and eat some biscuits. You know, that's, that's my thing. Hang on a minute, you ate biscuits during your career. So yeah, don't, well, don't make that. yeah. But it's, you know, as you get a bit older, one of those biscuits affects you just that little bit more. But that time is so... It's so interesting because you, you do sort of, especially as you're older, like the market changes when you're older. It doesn't matter how good you are. If there's a bigger number attached to your name, like for your age, then people will never perceive you in the same way. It's not about what you can do. They're more so excited by what someone else could do in the future. So uh, in 2018, I left Queen's Park Rangers and I was player of the season. I felt very proud. I was like, this is one of the best seasons I've ever had. And then uh, my agent told me for a month that nobody was interested. So I was like, this is weird. I'm not, I'm not used to this. This feels very, very strange. So then, you know, you sort of panic, think, well, where do I stand within this? But when you take football in for what it is, and if you do have a life outside it, like with not having a club, I just went on as many trips as possible with my family and enjoyed all my free time. Whereas for other people, they panic, but I very much just enjoyed that. And I knew that when the time came, I'd find myself down in Soho doing live podcasts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That was very much uh, on your fridge. Must do. Yes, this. things uh, this to is the do. First yeah. one. Um, so this, that that nicely moves us on to the idea that you decided, having retired after your two and a half years at Rail Salt Lake, that you would. And I, I saw you before you retired. You said, "I'm going to dabble in media. I'm going to give it a go, Tip but toe, I, yeah. only for a only for a couple of years because then I'll do something far more substance." And and now you've been doing it for almost two years. You have to stop, as per your promise. But I don't think you will because you enjoy it, and you enjoy it not just because it gives you an opportunity to watch and talk about football, because I think you like challenging to a certain degree the status quo or what might be expected of you as a former footballer, what you might say on air, and also as a former Manchester City player, given everything that's surrounding them and how important they are as a club? I think um, from the media standpoint, I enjoy it purely because I'm learning about it. So, you know, this is very thoughtful sports media, but then I could go down the road and be on a stage of four people who say, like, these are the worst teams and worst players in the history of football, you know, about people who've just won Champions Leagues and all that jazz. And I understand that there's a market for that. Do you do a lot of talk sport? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm contractually obliged to not say that word. Because no, literally I, they are just like, down I the road. It. So, yeah. like, I, I get it. Like, for example, to, to put a very, very specific example, there have been one or two people, I think, in relation to talk sport who've been sort of like bashing the women's Euros. But then from my side of things, I want to promote it because, you know, like I have friends who are playing in that. I have friends who are involved in women's sport. And I know that it's not perfect, but I know men's sport isn't perfect, so I'm, who am I to be hypocrites to criticise one thing when the other product, product itself is not perfect? You know, but here's something that we can get behind, and how will it get better if we don't support it? Also, it's ridiculous that anyone is, is criticising the women's Euros when, and I'm sorry for this, rugby union continues to be played in this country. <laughs> yeah. By anyone. Yeah. Yeah. You're making two different points there, Rory. They can't yeah. live separately. But I've yeah. been de dedicating entire Saturdays to it recently. You can't avoid it. But it's just, yeah, the, the whole media thing. Like, I don't want to do too much. I'm, I'm, to sum up who I am, the last day of last season, May 22nd, you know, it's a very prominent day. Everyone circles it in their calendar. Like, having to work for City with that. It's like, oh, can you do this? Working for BBC. It's so big, City might win the league. This might happen. That might happen. You know, we want you on board, and like, can you do this? Can you come in this day? I said, unfortunately, no, I can't. And like, oh, what's the matter? I said, well, I'm, I'm on holiday. And it's because it was my anniversary with my wife, and that was more important to me than the last day of the season. So even within that field, 
I have different set of priorities. Like I want to do the stuff which I enjoy, and if I stop enjoying it, I'll just stop doing it. Because you know, you mentioned money, and, and let's be honest, I didn't make three hundred fifty thousand pound a week, but I made enough to be comfortable at this stage of my life. So what's the value of having that comfort if you're not going to be able to make decisions that you want instead of things you have to do? Because it's a weird paradox, isn't it? You you give the impression that you don't care, but actually the fact is is that when you do the work, you really do care to oh. the extent that you want to build not yeah. just a reputation, but you want to build some sort of understanding of what the media landscape is and your role yeah. within it. Because this is something that we've talked about for years, and we, and we, of course, talked about it with Andy a lot, that there are paths down which it is easy to go. Yes. And you are often pushed in yes. that direction. Yes. And it is easy to say, okay, that's fine, because you can see a career mapped out in front of you, be able to do that. Now, it might be for other people with less of an kind of an intellectual capability, something that they were happy to do ad nauseam. They'll carry on talking about that club in positive terms, for example. But you, you don't want to do that. And it chimes nicely with the conversations that we've had. We rail against this all the time on the podcast. So from a, from a point of view as a former player, entering into that world, how have you found that conversation kind of within yourself? Have you had to make a decision? No, I'm going to be fair even if I'm being employed by a club to talk about a club that I used to play for, I support and I love? So, there are tons of people in clubs that I hate, <laughs> but you'll never hear me talking about them in a negative manner unless something negative has happened, yeah. because I, I want to be fair, because as and a player- you in two-footed. Well, but there's certain media where, you know, they want you to go in two-footed, like I was doing a show um, for Sky Sports News, and let me lay it behind the curtain here. So I was on every Friday morning, and, Come Thursday night, they sent through the questions, and I'm looking through the questions like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? It's like, Mikel Arteta's lost three games in a row now. Does this mean his job's on the line? I'm like, flipping heck. How do I answer this tomorrow? Like, I'm either going to have to say yes, and I'm like, I'm saying he needs to get sacked, or I'm going to say no, and they're like, what's wrong with him? Arteta must be paying him off. I'm like, bloody hell, give me a chance. You know what I mean? But that's the thing, it's just everyone consumes whatever they want to consume, and I think that's one of the strengths of sort of sports media. I think at times we can see it as a negative when we see the sort of negative effect that it has. But say TalkSport, for as much as I think some of the things are wild in it, other people tune in because they love that, and that's fine. And I think when you look at the totality of like a fan base of football or anything, I think it's good that people can access however they want. And I have friends who are big, big City fans who say Martin Tyler's biased, this guy's biased, and so on and so forth. I'm like, eh, they're probably not. But I said, if you have an issue with their commentary, do you know there's something that you can do? Just mute it, and if the, if you really want something pro city, we don't, we don't encourage that. Well, <laughs> especially BT Sport. Make sure you mute BT Sport. But then I have a family to feed. <laughs> he's no, got. It's still running. It's still running, but we just can't hear it. But, but then he's got an entourage of 15 people. He takes everywhere. You've got to yeah. remember. <laughs> but then I, I say like, if you want, just like put on YouTube. There's a watch along going on where somebody's very pro whatever you're feeling, so you can consume it however you want. Somebody has the rights to, to the visual side of it. But the sound side, you can pick and choose and do whatever you want. So, you know, wh why don't more people do that? But that's one of the weird things about the, the kind of co-commentary space. Mm. Is, so Sky used to have the fan zone. Fan zone, yeah. They where they get a fan from each club. And, then they now, and now they have Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. <laughs> but they discontinued the fan zone and then kind of just internalised it completely. Because there, there was a point, there, I mean, you'll know more about, about this than me, but there would have been a point where... Cara wouldn't have been allowed to do Liverpool games because the idea was that, like, your, your pundits, yeah. sorry, were like well, I don't old. I'm a podcaster. Older, <laughs> older men in suits and ties 
who were not embroiled in the tribal kind of mm. conflict of the clubs, yeah. who could be like, well, actually, the problem here is this and this and this, and he's playing well and he's playing well and blah, blah, blah. And then they, th that whole paradigm has changed completely, which must be because Sky know their audience. They must know that if it's a Liverpool game, Liverpool fans want to hear a Liverpool voice saying nice things about Liverpool. And if it's a Man United game, they either want to hear Gary Neville saying nice things about Man United or Gary Neville really slagging Man United off. They want... There's a kind of BDSM element to it. They want to kind of... That's what, they, that's what they're into. It, it's, it's basically been driven by the fact that the three teams that provide a guaranteed big audience for live football in this country are Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal. No one else gets close to that. So they've just decided to roll with it. However much you can try and sell games between other teams as being of the same level, that simply doesn't matter. It's about what's putting eyeballs on the screen, and you might as well go all in once you've decided that. You missed a massive opportunity to mention Burnley versus Crystal Palace there, which <laughs> yeah. feels like it would have been an appropriate thing to do <laughs> on <laughs> this of all days. A, fi a fixture, I hasten to add, that I was booked to do it's twice Burnley last Palace season. is the most... Who are the, who are the main the Arsenal voices then in media? A, that's an area, well, I suppose Ian Wright would be the yeah. predominant. But that's like much of there, that's post, isn't it? Keown, yeah. Did someone say Connery? Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Noted Mercer. Arsenal fan, Sean Connery. But where, so, so where do you see yourself fitting into this landscape? That Nowhere is, near that. Right, okay, but, but by choice rather than because you don't feel like... I, I've, I've had some people say to me that they want me to do more stuff on TV, more stuff for Sky and the like, but also within football, I retired for a reason. I retired because I wanted to live a more normal life. And I think the more you sort of and I'm sure Rory will tell you about this from his best friend, like, when, <laughs> when you do commentaries for games and you're Michael involved Richards. in that... Yeah, yeah. So just in case you didn't know, he knows Michael. He's not my best friend. He's, he's one of. If, you, if, you're, if you're watching those games on TV and you see those same faces, that means they're going to all the games, so it means they're on the same schedule as players who were playing yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't retire to just stay in the same schedule for the rest of my life, you know? Like, there's a sense of excitement when the kids finish school on a Friday now and it's like, we've got the weekend. Whereas for years, it's like, well, it's good, but unfortunately, I've got to get ready for this thing that's coming tomorrow. So I don't want to be a part of that. Cannot believe you're saying that literally a week before the summer holidays starts. Yeah, like this, this last week with the kids being at home has been a nightmare. This is, <laughs> it is going to be horrific. Yeah, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough. But that whole media landscape, right, the TV side of things, there's a lot of money involved in TV. There's a lot of money involved. But I also think that the product itself, in my opinion, it's hard to be able to express a longer opinion. You can have an opinion, but you can't explain yourself maybe sometimes the way that you'd like to, unless you are one of the bigger faces, I feel, because you know, you know exactly what Carragher's thinking, you know what Neville's thinking, you know what people on like the Sunday shows are thinking. But sometimes as a guest, like you might have, a, there's a five minute window before an advert kicks in, and there's gonna be a two minute video, and then it's gonna be led by this person, you've got 30 seconds, you've got 30 seconds, you've got 30 seconds, and my, I like, I understand the medium, but in that environment, I see a lot of people who are desperate to say something really big because they want to grow their profile. And I don't want to grow my profile. I just want to make sense and try and like offer some sort of like insight into what's actually going on. And you know, if that's taboo, then it is what it is. I, I was told. So have you all seen clips from the CBS Champions League show? On on with Henri and Kara yeah. and Micah. Yeah. So apparently. Let's maybe, we'll edit point.
So they fill it instead with stuff that will go viral. Yeah. That's all they care about. Just it means that the producers can go into the, um, into the, the meetings and say, look, there, there, there is this level of engagement. Partly because it's something you can measure, and that's really important in TV. You can say mm. how many people have interacted with this piece, piece of content. And I think you see more of that bleeding into the way that yeah. the, games are, the game is covered in general. But, I mean, Nadim, who is another American football fan, which is the only reason that we get on. <laughs> and I don't think either of you knew that. we break early? As well. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk we about something else. Stephen and Roy, you go and sign your books. Oh, yeah, there's not enough copies. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But or indeed any books. <laughs> <laughs> CBS hired Tony Romo on their NFL coverage to come in and be analytical, to provide exactly what you said that they don't want on their, their soccer coverage. So you down with a restaurant? No, we're not going to be just ca casually racist about Italian-sounding the, it's the audience. It's the audience, like, the American sort of, like, football market is a very mixed one. You've got a lot of people who watch stuff in Europe, but then wouldn't watch the MLS and vice versa. And that's the, that's the sort of thing which they have to kind of balance. And they want to see the biggest teams, but then they also love their sports personalities. In the same way Tony Romo might talk about something in-game, like, you've got 24-hour sports news where, you know, this is first take, this is this show, this is get up. And, like, those audiences are enormous because they love to see people debate. So it's, it's a bit of a mix. And I think that show itself, like, it could never work in England, but it works for that particular audience over there, I think. I'm, I'm a bit more negative about that. I think that, that I think they've tapped into something that is coming. You think so? For, for everywhere. If you look at the standard of, like, conversation about football on social media, like, it's really depressing. This is why set, set piece menu can't survive, <laughs> because you are all a like a minority, like a minuscule minority, just most people are just shouting finished club at each other. That's <laughs> all they're doing. Yeah. But with, that, with the ghost emoji that apparently to young people means laughter. No, the, str the stroll. The stroll yeah, it's dead. Means, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're, do you not think with that though? Someone's still in their mid-30s. You think... You think, you think <laughs> I'll, I'll, being the youngest person on stage, I understand what you're going for. Um, I, f I feel like with that, it, that might feel to me like it would make more sense to just stay digital because the TV itself, there are lots of people who will tune in. Like, I'm sure there are people in here as well. Like, I've worked on Match of the Day, and as I was doing it, I thought, why would people stay up to like 10, 11 o'clock to watch highlights for a game that came out five hours ago? You know, but there's a traditional sort of element to that. So do they really want to see something that drastically different on their That's TV true. screens? Yeah, yeah. You know, when they've been used to seeing something for like 10, 20 years anyway. Yeah, that's true. So there's, there's a, a, an aspect to think of. And you mentioned CBS, who of course have got into the, to the, to the soccer market. And they, uh, they're alongside NBC, who in the States have the, the Premier League rights. And they've taken Peter Drury from CBS, having watched him do CBS. So, that, so there must be part of that coverage that they, that yeah, they think is, is translatable. But, but that, Drury goes viral. Like, Peter Drury's a lovely man, th and, that's and he's a great part commentator. of the reason why. But, but, but that's his appeal. But if, if we're talking about a sport which in America, soccer in America, is uh, a sport looking to progress, looking to get wider, wider market share, and they might do that by going viral and getting the likes of Peter Drury or, or, or Karen and Micah going at each other and, and reenacting silly moments and having a bit of a lark about... But eventually, isn't there going to be some sort of stage where they embrace the elements that the other sports in America have done so, which then reflects back over to what we might see in the future, uh, generally speaking, in terms of the coverage of this sport in this country, which might focus on that element too? Is there going to be a chance, without, in, a la in a landscape which has no seppies many, to add nuance, is there going to be a place where this kind of debate is going to be encouraged or are we polarising and polarising and polarising to the point that it's not just going to be Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher every single club 
is going to have their mouthpiece, their show pony, to, to go viral, and that's it. That's the extent of the conversation, and, and people like Nadem who want to have the opportunity to extenuate and extrapolate will not have the will not have that opportunity in the future. I, d I don't think you'll have a, a show pony per club because, as discussed, there's only really three. And, and Rory can't name any anymore. Mm -hmm. Who offer any sort of traction to that level? The yeah, Matt, Matt Letizio for Southampton. <laughs> viral, viral for different reasons. <laughs> no, no, he's Book he, he, didn't, he, he didn't even believe in the viral, so that was. <laughs> <a problem>. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, my, my that was not worth a clap, come yeah. on. <laughs> One of the issues I think I have with the media side of things, especially for TV as well, and that sort of sense of visibility, and I think I get trapped in this as well, is at times you feel like they're only recruiting the people who have the biggest sort of names and stuff, and it's not necessarily for their content. But the downside of that is, like, if I see somebody who hasn't played in the Champions League talking about the Champions League, it also feels weird. But then again, to talk about the other side of that coin, I've seen people who've won Champions Leagues talk about the Champions League, because I'm like, what's he talking about, if you know what I mean? We don't need to name names, but we all have people who, you know, we sometimes listen to and wonder if they're watching the same game as you. But it's tough, and in that industry, it's not like this, with, with playing football, there's natural wastage every year where people will retire, people will pull out injured and so on. So the next crop coming in aren't necessarily gonna have to fight for, for the same amount of places. But in media, someone could be in it for one year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But like, say, on Monday Night Football, how would you get a seat at that table? You know, how would, how would it happen? But that, that's a challenge for the broadcasters, though, because you're right. Ideally, we would want those who have achieved the most to subsequently become the voices, the pundits, the co-commentators. But maybe in the same way as top players struggle to transition mm. to being top coaches, top managers, is that... The they were just so naturally skillful and brilliant that they, they struggle to put into words to describe how they were able to do what they did, never mind to critically analyze what somebody else is doing. Yeah. And that's why you end up with the most successful pundits probably being those who didn't have the most decorated careers because they've had to think a little bit harder. Yeah. Robbie Savage. Oh, don't you? <laughs> that's back to viral content. Yeah, uh, stop. You mentioned the punditry thing before as well. And one of the reasons why I don't want to be just like solely classed as a pundit, it's not like it's a negative thing or anything, but I've been on some shows and say you have an earpiece in and you can have open or you can have closed talk back and whatever. And if it's closed, like the producer will talk to you whenever he needs to talk to you. But if it's open, you hear everything. There's like 20 people in the background. There's countdowns to everything. It's like trying to watch a game. Yeah. Whilst your, your family are telling you about their day. And you occasionally have to pick up that little indicator in which you go, oh, right, interesting, yeah. good, excellent. That's, that's and then the you go back to the game. So you just have to sort of, yeah, you're keeping an ear it's, open it's for all relevant to, bits. I would say it's almost like playing a game with every member of coaching staff in your ear at the same time because you have to, like, contribute as well. But I love that because for all the media stuff that I do, whether it's radio, TV, digital, and so on, I like the creation of a show. I like to see everything that goes into it, the prep work and the like. So say I was doing the AFCON coverage in February, I think it was, and I'm with Jermaine Genus, and he, we know how the show needs to end. He needs 15 seconds to be able to see the show out, and I've got the open talk back, and the countdown started at two minutes, and we're just doing general chit-chat, and it's JJ, it's me, and it'd be uh, Yaya Tore, Tore, Kolo Tore, whoever, and he always asks me the last question because he wants me to answer and take it to 15 seconds so that the thing can smoothly run out, and I love that because then it meant that I'm now learning how to answer questions within a certain time frame without sounding like a complete psychopath. 
and JJ's making JJ's sure. actually just waiting for the one show <laughs> theme to <laughs> oh, Yeah, in. exactly. <laughs> but that stuff matters because then when you have somebody who's next to you who doesn't have open talkback on, and they're given the world's longest answer as the show is ticking down and the producer's having a heart attack in the back, like, I'm thinking, ah, come on, like, come on, say, just say the thing, say the thing, say the thing so we can go. But having been on the other side of the screen for so long, I didn't realize that's how sort of like deep it would all go. So that's why I don't want to be just called a pundit because I want to be part of like a show in its totality, not just somebody who comes on and just answers questions. So you're a megalomaniac, basically. Well, the show doesn't end up being about me, but I just like to help people. Like, if JJ says he's practiced and it's going to take 15 seconds for this out, especially when it's for the BBC, because it's like, you know, Last of the Summer Wine has to come on at nine. You know, like, you can't overrun these things because you'll just get cut off. So to be a part of that, like, it, it's good fun. I mean, to be fair, Jermaine Jenner spends a lot of his time working with professionals like Giles Brandreth, so <laughs> you've got a lot to live up to. Yeah, exactly. This is a particularly parochial way uh, to, to, to bring it. If, if you're listening uh, on the podcast from overseas, Giles Brandreth is... The, the <laughs> physical manifestation of vote leave. <laughs> Um, so let's uh, let's finish our conversation and uh, and move away from from the from the media landscape and just just bring Nadim into what we've been talking about generally speaking in five years now having been out of the game for nearly two, how much have you seen change and do you I mean we were talking about some sort of dystopian future because that's what we like to do it's kind of a way that we scratch each other's backs it makes us feel nice and warm and cuddly inside but if if there is a sense that you have too about what we were talking about being kind of inherently negative, or do you feel like now that you've been out of the game for long enough to be able to have that kind of wider world view that you think that it's not quite so bad and that things aren't going to be all about money and sports washing and things like that? I think football's been about money for a very, very long time. That's, that's the first thing to mention there. And I think at times there'll be incidents that will come, say like with the Super League, which just puts it front and center and we have to sort of like address it head on but that's the way that it's going. It's a sport which, you know, it can't, you feel like it won't continue to grow forever, but then the world is changing in a way whereby you just sell it in a different manner. You know, these days, it's more about Mbappe than it is about PSG. Like the day PSG stopped making nice tops, people just talk about Mbappe, you know, it's like, it's different. The younger people see the game in a different manner. And I think overall, it's, you walk this sort of like dangerous line, especially myself, because I don't want to sound old and grumpy. I just think it's different, but it's very, very different. But I think the, the young players these days, they're having to come through and be judged from a lot earlier. They're having to manage their profiles and their images and stuff like that. And the decision-making that comes from them, in some ways you could argue it's more educated because they see more people come before them. But I think at its core, people still play football because they love playing football. The money is there and they can demand whatever they want, but they'll only be paid what's available. And I think sometimes clubs kind of get away with making it seem like some players are mercenaries where some of the deals that come out are given to the players by the clubs. You know, this con someone will sign, sign a five-year contract this summer and in year three of the contract, someone will be like, how's he getting paid so much money we have to get rid of him? Well, it's because you gave him that deal to start with. I think a lot of people forget that. So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like, optimistic that everything's going to change and become the most moral thing in the world because it won't because there's a sheer amount of money involved. But I think the pandemic in terms of, say, the financial hit that it brought to football has made people think in a different manner. And I think for some players, it's about really maximizing all the money they can get right now because the clause is coming in now where, say, contracts and stuff could just be cut to the side, basically. And I think for the clubs as well, the quest for success, and this is, <laughs> this, sorry, apologies for this. 
in the green room, there was something which I was going to say, and I forgot what it was. I've <laughs> yes. remembered what it was. <laughs> Brilliant. And this might not have any relevance sorry, to I any of the last 45 minutes. <laughs> but, this, but this is, but in some ways, I think this, this answers this question because one of my friends is an agent, and he's brought um, a play to Southampton, and he's talking about Southampton and their hopes and objectives for the season. He said they're going to be going for the top 10, and he thinks it's perfectly achievable. And I thought, oh, that's great. But 15, 16 other teams also have a similar objective, which plays plays them into the top 10. So everybody looks up and is optimistic and believe that they're building. But the fact is, no matter how hard you work, there'll still be 10 teams that finish in the bottom half of the Premier League. And it's a case of finding out what's realistic and trying to achieve that instead of, say, sometimes overspending and thinking that you're going to do it just because you're Southampton. Don't just look at yourself, look at others as well and take into account, like, three teams will go down this year. Regardless, say, sorry, uh, any Spurs fans in here, I apologise. Antonio Conte making them run 42 lengths in, the, in that training session in South Korea a few days ago in like 40 degree heat. That doesn't mean you're going to win a Premier League title. But in his mind, he might believe that it, that it is. But the reality of the situation is you play against others and it's not just 11 versus no one. And uh, also brought up in the agreement, this is the, genuinely our, our pre-meetings pre, uh, that uh, would, in any other land, and particularly in TV, would be called production meetings, are us just laying about waffling nonsense. And Nadam's remembered something that he, he uh, said, or forgot to say during that conversation. One of the things, and we'll finish on this, Rory, that you said, and it ties into what Nadam said just then, about players starting their careers younger, realising their value younger, and attempting to maximise that value throughout the career, that career now is lasting longer, and to the extent that we see with Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, that they are shifting the Overton window mm -hmm. of peak age expectations, in that you're 37, for Ronaldo's case, Messi's a little bit younger, I know, but you are thinking that they are still earning as much as they could possibly earn, and yet they are not quite as good as they were at their peak, but if they are going to do it, then surely players like Kylian Mbappe in 15 years' time may well still be commanding that sort of attention, that sort of fee. And by the way, he claims that he taught me the Overton window thing. I claim that I taught you the Overton window thing, so there's going to be scrapping outside uh, mm. 21 Soho a little bit later on. Yeah, I'm very unhappy about that. I refuse to believe you've ever taught me anything. <laughs> the no, so uh, um, there was a p Barney Rone did a piece in The Guardian last week, I think, about Messi and Ronaldo that was entitled Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo Will Ruin Your Club. It's very good. There was a, a point at the end that I have squirreled away to steal for later on in life about how there used to be kind of a... There was a natural mechanism within football when, as you got older. So you might, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you'd maybe go from... Real Madrid, and then you'd maybe sign for Valencia. And then after Valencia, you might have a couple of years at Napoli, or maybe not Udinese, but kind of Lazio, or Marseille, or whoever. And it could happen because the, the differentials in what you could earn at Real Madrid and Valencia weren't massive. So if you were on 100 grand a week back then, I suppose, at Real Madrid, you could probably earn 85 at Valencia, and maybe 70 at Roma, or whatever. Whereas now, you're Kylian Mbappe, you're being paid $300 million over the course of your deal. There's no other club in the world that can match that, and that's the money we know about. We don't know about the money that Qatar are sending to him through image rights deals and things like that, just as we don't know about how you know, Man City's full, or Newcastle's full suite of payment options might be. But it means that the point Barney made was that like Messi, Messi and Ronaldo... Uh, still brilliant players, can still, you know, Ronaldo still, still, still stores loads of goals, Messi still does occasional brilliant things. 
They're going to be like 39 and we're going to be banging about whether can Messi deliver the champions. Like, no, he can't. He's 39. <laughs> like, they, they will. And he's been playing since he was 15 or whatever, 16 at Barcelona. He's probably knackered. And even the ones like Lewandowski going to Barcelona, he's got three or four years left in him. But there'll come a point where Robert Lewandowski, despite having his pudding first, which we all <laughs> have to do all of the time, is, is old, for fo even for football, even for modern football, but he's expected to perform at this elite level because there is no mechanism to bring him to a lower level of club. And he, for understandable, maybe slightly hubristic reasons, doesn't want to accept that his time has passed and he should move gracefully into the sunset. I was just going to say, um, with Ronaldo and Messi and people like that, wh why would they stop playing? Because when, even if they're on a decline, at no stage on a decline, would they be the same as everybody else? So why would they stop? Then not necessarily stop, but like Ronaldo... No, but I'm saying in general, like just a general question, why would somebody, why would they ever retire? Like we're talking about yeah, Ronaldo having a short-term future, but why? Like, he's still in. Ronaldo could probably do a job for Sporting Lisbon in the Primera Liga. What a friend so of mine described to me as the past ace de Nata Liga. I, <laughs> I feel like when he like physically hurts him to score goals, like yeah. why would he stop? Because he's still going to be better than everybody else. Like we've got, we've got players in the Premier League who get told they've had great seasons when they score 10 goals. Like... At which, which point do you envision Ronaldo not being able to score 10 goals? In, yeah, he, yeah, he will, will be able to like, stand in the box as like, a 65 That's what I mean, like, that's the thing. That's literally a thing. <laughs> so like, why so would yeah, he ever maybe stop? Doesn't it, but for his brand as well, like, this is the point that Barney made, that his brand is so valuable to a club that even if he wants to leave Man United, well, as he does want to leave Man United, Allegedly. You know, maybe, no, he definitely wants to leave. <laughs> the... the um, Maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to think who it would be, but like Dortmund, say, obviously be totally against their model. But to Dortmund, signing Cristiano Ronaldo is worth its weight in gold. Imagine all those Instagram followers you get straight away. Mm. All, the, all the brand endorsements you get. So he will, will then get parachuted in when he does leave United to some other club who then are forced to find a way to like, build a system around this statue for two years. <laughs> and at the same time, we're all having a conversation about whether, is Ronaldo the problem? Well, no, yes, of course he's the problem. He can still sort goals and be a problem. That's not that hard a conversation to, to work but out. He's a problem that some clubs will be willing to take oh, he's on. Worth for it, that absolutely, and, yeah. and that's the issue. When you've got these players, as we were talking about earlier, who are bigger than the clubs they play for, their brand value is so high, but because the money isn't filtering down, there will be an increasingly small group of clubs who can afford to... And so they'll just cycle around the top elite clubs like because of their, you know, to yeah. sell shirts for a bit and because of their, their image right value. And, and they'll never get to just enjoy fading away gradually. And my I've done this myself, so I shouldn't really have a go at it. But like, there was a, there's, there's like this convention with Messi that you have to pretend that the bit at the start of a game where he's walking around is just he's scanning. He's looking around saying, <laughs> where are the weaknesses? He used to do that and run at the same time. That's literally the job of a footballer, is to do all that stuff whilst running around. That's all they've been asked to do. But now it's like, well, Messi's so intelligent. He doesn't even need to move. <laughs> I, think, I think the positive, like, the silver lining with that, because, you know, they are aging and the like, is the fact that they're the pinnacle of the sport, but it'll be harder for them to stop because they look after themselves. I think if you go back 20 years, some of the people who are at the pinnacle, it'd be easier to say no to them because they probably let themselves go. They're probably drinking, going out, partying and all that. Gazza at 38. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Gazza at 38 kind of speaks for himself. Like, yeah, maybe not. But for these, like, Ronaldo will look great. And it's because he's worked hard. It's not by accident. So what's the worst thing for that? So in five years' time, uh, if 
you know, we were to have a conversation, we'd probably still be banging on about Messi and Ronaldo, which is comforting, <laughs> to say the very least. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's been wonderful to have such uh, an authoritative and th thoughtful voice and somebody who's way younger and way better looking than the rest of us on stage as well. Now, Nadine, what I'm going to do is to the throng of applause that you are now going to rightly receive, you're going to get your ass into the back and start signing some books, okay? Because you've got some stuff to shift because I am on about, you know, what, 1.2 pence per copy. So <laughs> I need generous. to start shifting some numbers. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, before we send you off to the bar, we're going to send him first because otherwise he'd never get through you. Mr. Nadine Manuha. Thank you. Somebody bought Rory's book! Yay! It's sold out. Oh, five years ago, that's not the one from the... Oh, that's That is the last ever copy of Mr. Apart from the ones that are on my shelves. Uh, now, uh, over the years uh, on Seppi's Menu, we've had fun with our select 11s. Uh, so we thought it fitting on our final show that we would indulge ourselves, and hopefully you as well, into creating one final Select 11. But it has to be self-referential because there's nothing, in, if not big-headed, to do so. So what we thought we would do is involve all of you here, and we've had some contributions on Twitter as well, which immediately brings in Stephen Wyeth, our social media expert, um, <laughs> into helping feed some of those ideas in. Uh, but the, the set-piece menu, Select 11, of players that we mention far too much uh, to, for it to be healthy. Now, one player who immediately goes in, and we don't have to debate this, is, of course, Roy's best friend, Francesco Totti. So that immediately is the kind of starting point for what we'd like to do. But we would like to have a conversation based on the ideas that you may well have. We have some of our own, so if you just come up with, like, one, and we're kind of egg on our face looking stupid up here on stage, then so be it. We've got some ideas, but we want you to, to contribute as well. So you might have seen some of those American TV shows where they have town hall meetings, and um, all those people who want to contribute kind of queue up by a microphone to make their complaints. Well, please don't make any complaints, but if you have any ideas for our Select 11, then would you please form two queues? We've got an aisle down here on the right-hand side and an aisle down here on the left-hand side. Stage right, stage left. That was the wrong way around. You're a pro, aren't you? And well, uh, as I've just proved, I'm not. Um, so if you would like to contribute, so come on, up on your feet, if you've got any names that you'd like to suggest, and um, I will make a note. This um, one's really close. This one's really close. And he's the merchandise. Yes, oh yes, thank and you very much indeed. Uh, available via uh, tpublic.com. Uh, just search for Seppi's menu. Uh, if you don't want to come this way, that's fine. I know I'm intimidating, but you'll be using my microphone. Uh, if you'd only want to queue that side, then we'll start there too. If you'd like to say your name, and if we recognise it from all the emails, then that's going to be useful. If, if I don't, then I'm sorry I didn't pay enough attention. Buffalo Andrew Hopper Davis. Well done to our Buffalo Andrew Hopper Davis. Is that, is that how you introduce yourself in other contexts? No, I'm the one who put it in my email, B-A-M-A-B-U-F. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Who is your player suggestion for this Select 11, Andrew? Vim Yonk. Vim Yonk, yep. let us uh, like think about Vim, Vim Yonk. So now, why would we want to include Vim Yonk? Well, Vim Yonk was the source of one of Chinch's, God rest his soul's, stories. 
pre-pod. Did, did Chinch ever do the Vimyonk story? He did indeed yeah. do the Vimyonk story. The, story. the Vimyonk story, for those who don't remember it as dearly as I do, was that Vimyonk hated everyone he played with at Sheffield Wednesday to the extent that he used to spend his training sessions smashing balls at <laughs> footballers <laughs> to embarrass them. And that kind of made Vimyonk my hero. And I love the fact that Vimyonk is now seen in Holland as like this like, great ardent disciple of Cruyff. And I think he's in, he was in charge at Ajax like the Ajax Academy for a bit, and he might now be running Volendam or something, according to Cruyffian principles. But really, Vimyonk was a dick who embarrassed his teammates. <laughs> and that, I think, earns Vimyonk, who I hope is not in the audience. Uh, <laughs> the, I think and if he is, Vim, just a little bit less on the passes yeah. than Andy Hinchcliffe. But it was Peter Atherton, wasn't it? He, Vimyonk hated Peter Atherton, who is not a name that has been mentioned on any f of the million football podcasts. None of them, even Quickly Kevin has not mentioned Peter Atherton. Because who remembers Peter Atherton? I don't remember him. I remember him as the guy that got fired balls at his shins by Vim Yonk exactly. inappropriately So hard. Vim Yonk is a fantastic suggestion, and I think was one that we'd, we'd brainstormed. I've circled it and put an asterisk by it. I don't know what my method is, but that certainly is a good start. Do we have uh, any more suggestions? Any, any more? Uh, it, literally just one. Oh, no, we have one. Thank you. That would have been embarrassing. If we're going to stop at two. I hope you've had enough drink to be a participating <laughs> part of this uh, podcast. Go for it. What's your name, sir? Uh, Sam Crocker. Hello. Ah, Sam. Yes, we recognise all these names. I hope you do too. Was it just me? Delete this is, emails. This delete is, emails. This is taking on the slight air of an FA Cup draw. <laughs> I'm very glad it's to be part of that. Town. That's a job at the BBC I'd never get. Anyway, Sam, over to you. Um, uh, similar chinch one, Andy Booth. Andy Booth yeah. gets yeah. a mention. Andy Booth. Now, Andy Booth uh, did uh, feature in a lot of the early soccer stories, mainly because they were the ones at the front of Chinch's mind before he ran out. He's very much a Series 1 character, isn't series he? Series 1 yeah. character. And, and he didn't really guest star thereafter. But Andy he's Booth... Like, he, was guy, he, he was the guy who was in the first two series of Parks and Rec and then just completely disappeared without a trace. That is Andy Booth. I think that was actually the, Andy, Andy Booth. Booth. In the soccer story. As, as, as recognisable as Andy Booth. The problem is, is we need to make... Andy Booth is a great suggestion... But does being mentioned three times in the first six episodes and then never since qualify for inclusion? Well, so, for example, another chinch theme, and I think our first-choice goalkeeper has to be Neville Southall's <laughs> big, big enough to cover a majority yeah. of the goal. I, I don't think I know more about any player's <laughs> than Neville Southall's. Because of, just, as much as chinch alluded to Neville Southall's, what my little boy calls gentleman's particulars, which I'm really proud of teaching him. <laughs> the, like, he talked about it constantly. Although off, quite off a lot mic. of the time off air. Um, yeah. I think we might have introduced it in person a little bit more um, blatantly <laughs> than we have done in the past. I think we, yeah, it came up in... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you're not going to be able to complete any sentence in, that's in your mind. In the live show in Manchester, didn't it? Did, uh, yes. Did he, Chinch not... He's done, yeah. a, he's done a, a full story about... Uh, I think we can, say, we can mention it and then perhaps not say how he knew quite so much uh, about it. But so Neville Southall, appendage or not, certainly is a good goalkeeper suggestion. We've no, now I want, got... I specifically want his p*** as the dog. okay. <laughs> <laughs> how many arms, how many legs? Um, so we've got uh, Neville Southall. We, at, the, at the moment, we're getting a lot of Chinch-related uh, suggestions. Is Andy Booth really going to play up front with Francesco Totti? <laughs> I think Francesco Totti would relish that opportunity. Well, would that be? Would, would, would it have to be late era Totti as he's dropped back? Into you mean sort of the Francesco the Totti who now plays five aside in Rome? Yeah, 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 yeah that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, having spoken to Francesco Totti, <laughs> I'm sure that um, I'm sure that he would. I mean, he, he's probably played with worse than Andy Booth, to be perfectly honest. As Serie A has descended into a tremendous entertainment <laughs> format, live on BT Sport. 
Uh, the Ligue 1 is going to be brilliant this year. Oh. As well, I hope <laughs> Equally so. And any 7th out of 10 matches on Match of the Day as well. They'll be really good. Uh, do we have any... Sir, if you'd like to come to the front, I will lend you my microphone, if you don't mind sharing, in this age of massive global pandemics. Uh, Raymond Atterveld. Thank you is very that, much. Is that, is that your Thank name or a suggestion? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am Raymond Atterveld. That would be that crushingly would be terrifying, wouldn't it? That would be utterly terrifying if Raymond was here tonight. I th- wasn't he coaching in Kazakhstan last time? I yes, he'd taken the uh, taken the the Kazakh ruble or whatever. <laughs> he'd taken he taken the despot dollar. Uh, thank you very much indeed. We didn't get your name. What's your name? Mike, thank you very much indeed, Mike. Raymond Atterveld. Uh, just Mike, like Pelé. Just, just Mike, like Pelé. <laughs> scored just as many goals in the back garden. Um, this is a suggestion, uh, I imagine, as a, as a hard man in midfield, or, as we well know, a shit house. Um, that would be Raymond Atterveld as a centre midfielder. Do we put him and Vin, Vin Yonk uh, as a... Because that would be terrifying for, for reason, teammates, mainly. For some reason, you were of the view that we talked a lot about Andrea Pirlo in passing, but I don't think that's true. You just don't notice when you bring things up, which is why you repeat all your jokes. Oh, right, fine. Um, I quite like the idea of a, of a, of a Pirlo, Atterveld, midfield Do you think we've talked about uh, Andrea Pirlo enough for him to be in this Select eleven? Any, any, any particular... Oh, we've got a... We've got a uh, no, no, we've got a shake. Is that a grimace from the right? Okay, well, that, you know. Yeah, I'm going back through the episodes. Yeah. You're going through the episodes as you Andrea Pirlo comes up a suitable amount right, okay. for a player of that... Profile. So Vim Jonk and Ray Atterveld could well be our slightly scary Dutch central midfield pairing. Now, what we're doing here is I think we're going a little bit heavy on the, the chinch teammates. I think we should limit ourselves yep. in terms of the chinch teammates, uh, and mainly because it might get to the spot where we're trying to decide on left back, and if we can't fit chinch in <laughs> and we've got more of his teammates, it might be a bit embarrassing. I so, who else? I think we should come up with a left back who can replace chinch without us mentioning it Half, like two thirds of the way through. That's what. <laughs> no, but only about fifty episodes to go. The um, <laughs> I mean, Marcelo. Marcelo, you mentioned as being the greatest signing ever made. I love Marcelo. I love the fact that he's got fat and doesn't care. I love the fact that he he cost like six million quid fifty three years ago, and he was. I saw what, which it was one of the Champions League games. It might be in the City game at the Bernabeu. And Ancelotti just brought Marcelo on just to wander about a bit. And he was on, he was on the right wing for a bit. And he had no idea he what was, he was doing. He was scanning like Messi. But he was just being Marcelo in an open field. It was lovely. So, yeah, Marcelo is my, my pitch. Leading the back. team in sing-song, both pre- and post-match. So maybe we have Marcelo. Um, he, he might come on for Chinch after about 60 minutes when Chinch has to consider the Chinese takeaway and, indeed, he's ruptured his Achilles. So yes. that, that, that might be a possibility of trying to squeeze those two. Or we can have one substitute, which would ironically be Chinch, bearing in mind that he would need to be substituted uh, more often than not. So maybe we've got a left-back. Any more names? Do we have anybody who'd like to come forward? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. We need to keep this going long enough to get 11 players, by the way, everybody. That's how this works. Do you want to take a step forward so everybody can see you in your glory? Your name, sir? Uh, I'm Chris. Hello, Chris. What's your suggestion? Uh, Prudy Freeze mentions, probably not in a footballing context, Micah Richards. Micah Richards. Yeah. Um, now, is that, uh, is that a name that we uh, have mentioned enough to be in the select level? We don't have any centre-backs at the moment. Would you uh, like to have Micah or... Uh, would Naden be really furious that he's been replaced on stage uh, in the podcast, just like he was in the well, Manchester uh, the, City the, team? The suggestion, of, <laughs> by, by the suggestion of Micah Riches means we still don't have any centre-backs. Oh! Would you pass that on to him, please? I will, I will text him presently. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, Micah probably does come up a lot, doesn't he? 
Does he? Do we want to squeeze him in a right back? Which, when we had this conversation with Nadam in the green room, which you're hearing a lot about, but there is actually a place called the green room here, uh, which we weren't in. It's too posturous. Uh, we were in an annex, which was basically the bomb shelter. Yeah. Uh, but um, a lovely place, having this conversation. And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, right back, as long as you put me as centre-back. So he was, uh, he was casting aspersions, even in his absence. I would say that you have plugged Nedham so relentlessly since the hiatus. Amazingly, we took a hiatus and then you made us come back so that you could plug Nedham's book. That was, that was essentially the reason. That he probably has to go in. I think we might have mentioned Nedham more than we've mentioned Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, you know, he does eat a little bit less right next to a microphone, so that might be the reason why. Um, so are we going to have Micah and Nadam in the same team? That would be fitting, wouldn't it, really? Uh, so are we going to put Micah at right back? And funnily enough, if you read the book, which is excellent and available for just £20 outside, thank you very much, Kieran, uh, that uh, they didn't actually play very often at centre-back together, so that would be fitting to have Micah at right back and then Nadam as one of the two centre-backs, but we need another centre-back. Who else do we talk about? On the podcast, he plays at centre-back. Does anybody else have any suggestions? It could be a centre-back or, indeed, any other position. Sir, would you like to come forward, please? Thank you. Announce yourself to the world. I'm uh, Chris Wilkerson. Oh, Chris. There you go. Chris, Chris Wilkerson, we know. It's just, I'm just relieved I recognise the names. That's all about uh, Chris, would you like to make a suggestion? Uh, it was Lee Sharp, who... I think the, the story of him not being very good yep. stuck in my mind forever, really. Mine too. Yeah. 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 Lee Sharp has suggested. Now, would That's you play him, play him at left wing? Because Lee he was Sharp a left who winger. For Manchester United, yes. Lee Sharp, who played for the Half Moon, no. <laughs> well, uh, we ha I mean, the other suggestions that we might have thought about at left wing. If we are going to play 4-4-2, because let's be honest, if we are fashioning this around Chinch, we need to play something that's suitable for the early well, 90s. He wouldn't want to be a win-back, would he? We knew that. Who? Chinch. Chinch, no, he, he wouldn't like that. And we're not going to get three centre-backs at this rate. So, I mean, we've got a, another suggestion, if it wasn't Lee Sharp, would be Ian Ormondroyd, who we spent a lot of time uh, talking about. Do people remember us talking about Ian? We've got a shake. We've got a, a nod, a nod, two nods, two nods. That's good. Yeah, and Mike. Like Thank you, Mike. Yeah, that's another Thank one. Mike. <laughs> You're old, so you remember I, Ian Ormondroyd. I would say it's either Ormond, one of the two great Ians. It's either Ormondroyd or Wone. All I right, think they both come up a lot. They both do. Ex yeah. One had an excellent left foot, and one just ran in strange diagonal runs. And the mention of Ian Wone reminds me of the other centre-back option, which is Sean Dyche. Oh, as a player, not as a manager. Oh, I think that's I how we all want to remember him, Sean Dyche, as a player. And he was, <laughs> despite an argument we had in the green room, he was a centre-half, Sean Dyche. Hugh seemed to think he was some sort of creative midfielder. Creative midfielder! <laughs> <laughs> I just he saw looks him... creative, doesn't he? I mean, he's no. An elegant, ball-playing central midfielder. I think Sean Dyche would be offended at that description, <laughs> frankly. So, Sean Dyche is a suggestion for the other centre-back. Now, we've got a couple of other suggestions from not only us, but also the hive mind. They include Des Walker and Paolo Maldini. And then you added in, insultingly, Chris Sutton, because you mention him so much because he's your yeah, best friend. Sutton as well, as a centre-half and not as a striker. So, yeah, exactly. Um, which is why it's insulting. Um, so uh, let's, let's do, uh, for the other centre-back, let's have a show of hands. Shall we have Sean Dyche? Oh, no. Oh, no. Shall we have Paolo Maldini? A few, yeah. Des Walker? A lot of people not in any way engaged with this process. Or Chris Sutton? We've got a Nor Norwich fan, which is great. Harry Maguire. Yeah, he's wonderful, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Maguire. A non-Australian in the audience. Wonderful. Um, so I think, was that Paolo Maldini or was that Des Walker? 
There were more hands for Des. Was Des. It Des? Yeah. More chinch teammates. This is going down a particular hole. Uh, Micah, Nadem, Des Walker, and Marcelo, Marcelo to be replaced yeah. off the bench <laughs> by Andy Hinchcliffe. Sean Dyche, sorry, you'll have to play in central midfield alongside Bimjonk and Rayatavelt. No, that would be far too combative. Uh, so we have central midfielders, we have a back four, and we have Neville Southall's p. Uh, <laughs> So where do we get to the left wing? Are we gonna are we gonna do Ormondroid, Wone, or Lee Sharp? I, with all due respect, Chris, I don't think Lee Sharp happened enough um, to the extent that I can't remember the story. I'm glad you. Do you did. not remember the story? No, I can't. remember That's the literally story. my only claim to fame. That Lee Sharp story. Oh, it's because it was I your think, story. I think that might I, be the I, first I, thing I said to you after we first met. <laughs> It's After I told you about the Overton window. It's, it's how I introduce myself. It's on my we, business cards. We should defer to the audience. Yeah. If we've got, if we've got a, a three-way split for a position, yeah. I think we, we, there's, there's a time it's no there. good us yeah. just sitting here and going, well, yeah. it's got to be Ormondroid. Hands for Ian Ormondroid. Yes. Yeah, okay. In fact, he Chris, you suggested mind, yeah. Lee Sharp once Ian Ormondroid. <laughs> <laughs> Hands for Ian Wone. No, yeah, okay, we've got, yeah, that, yeah. Sorry, that's winning. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, hands for Lee Sharp. You can't vote twice. Yeah, it's just oh, Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp, Lee Sharp gets in there. See, that, that story really strikes a chord with people. <laughs> when, when, you, when you start, start Rory, I just start watching the clock and I don't listen to the words that you say. Fine. Um, That's so why we, the podcast is we only actually, got a job. <laughs> we only actually have two left. And that, if we're going to play another forward and we're not happy with Andy Booth, I mean, we could be happy with Andy Booth, or a right winger or a right forward. Well, I've got someone who can fill both positions. Oh, go on then. Shane Long. The world's Janus. greatest footballer. Has got to go in. And it's a given. I'm surprised he's not the first name you mentioned. Of all the, in fact, why didn't we think of getting Shane Long as a guest star for this evening? As good as Naden was, we could have got Shane Long. <laughs> we didn't even think to try. He might not have got it. <laughs> no, that like might have been... I don't know Shane Long at all. I don't know whether and he... And here is an ironic guest, is Shane Long. Easy journey in from Reading as well. But I want to make it abundantly clear that I think Shane Long's a really good... I, this, it, my admiration for Shane Long is not ironic. I really like Shane Long as a footballer. I, I accept that he can't score goals. I... <laughs> I recognise that flaw in him, and I love him despite that. We've said exhausting to play against. Name on the team sheet as a yeah. defender. Like, oh, God, not well, I'd say guy. play Shane Long in both positions. <laughs> That's impossible. Uh, but we are happy to have Shane Long as... Well, if Totty's going to be a false nine, uh, Shane Long can be an inex- non-existent nine. Do we not need a forward? Uh, no, we need a right winger or a right, a right forward. Uh, you'll notice that we've not mentioned either Ronaldo or Messi, even though we mentioned them more often than any other player. It's just too boring. Uh, so we've got a right winger that we need to pop and I'm just wondering if there's any, anybody in the audience who could offer up a right winger. Oh, yes, we have a very uh, enthusiastic gentleman. <laughs> He's been waiting for the right winger to suggest this. this <laughs> oh, right, oh. okay. Well, there's uh, going to be something of a damn script. What's your name, sir? Uh, James. Hello, James. What's your suggestion for our Select 11? I'm going to give you two. Oh. You should have done this earlier. <laughs> this, <laughs> <laughs> this might have been better content. I was going to, but you started rabbiting. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. That's all right. Right. Um, you need a diminutive Argentine number 10. And I'm going to give you two. Amar. Yeah. Or Raquelme. Amar, Raquelme. Yeah, thank you. I think... And R- Rory has just started sweating a different kind of sweat <laughs> with a mention of those two names. Because really? you, you yeah. don't think, to lift the curtain a little bit, on the walk in... You don't think you mention Raquel May often, but... I think compared to how often I want to mention Juan Ramon Raquel May, <laughs> I'm extremely reserved. I'm not sure your, your powers of holding yourself back are quite as good as you think they are. <laughs> oh, no, that, that, that is the kind of applause that Rory was hoping not to Sim- hear. Similarly, 
I think I, I talk about Juan Ramon Riquelme a suitable amount <laughs> for Juan Ramon Riquelme, but Aymar is a great suggestion, because I do talk about Aymar a lot, because I also love Pablo Aymar. But I don't think we can put Aymar in ahead of Riquelme, given your love affair with Riquelme. That would just seem wrong. You have to choose one of them, and then we might no. have to supplant somebody else. I no, refuse no, to choose between have to them. Choo- he doesn't have to choose. Yeah. We. Yeah, oh. exactly. yeah, it's fine. I love denying Rory the power that he thinks he has. So, uh, Aymar. Votes for Aymar. We've got yeah, a few. And, and a clap for and Aymar as well. And votes for Akelme. There you go. <laughs> That's right. pretty comprehensive. Proved wrong once so again, the Mr. O- Smith. The only, one that I would, the only thing that I would suggest that we need to get in is Roy Keane specifically as a right winger. Oh, what? Because so the only time he ever did it was, was against, against Chinch in the 1999 FA route. But then we're going to need to swap Chinch in at left yeah. back so Keane can kick him up the pumper. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe Keane comes on in the second half when Chinch. Yeah. Although, actually, if they're, not, if they're on the same team, that doesn't work, does it? They're <laughs> no, that's of the pitch. that's Shit. a very simple facet of professional football. But well I'm done not sure that would hold that. Keane back. If he disapproved of a teammate's <laughs> contribution... <laughs> Just watch those forgotten MUTB tapes to find out. So you, you could have Imar, sorry, Riquelme alongside Totti with Shane Long as both right winger and striker. <laughs> <laughs> but that you just want, you want Keane in there. You've no, got, you've got 13 Drop players. Keane. Keane can be brought on to shadow Chinch when Chinch appears just to kick him in the arse. That's fine. Okay, so we've got a select 11, I think, and let's find out if I le- read out 12 names. Uh, Neville Southall's pissing goal. We have a back four of Micah Richards, Nader Manua, uh, Des Walker, and Marcelo. We have two central midfielders. No, we have three central midfielders now, and here's the problem. No, no, that's fine. We've dropped Keane. We've got three central midfielders. It's very attractive. Ray Atavelt, Juan Roman Riquelme, and Vim Yonk. Mm-hmm. Wowzers. Riquelme is going to look to either side and go, nope, I'll just keep it. I'll do it, I'll do it on my own, thank you. And we've got a front three, in a slightly weird way, of Totti as a false nine, Lee Sharp on the left, and Shane Long on the right. That and is our select Are you happy with that? And up front. <laughs> that 12 players, but Shane Long has often been suggested as the kind of player who puts in enough shift to be worth two. Just not the goals. We need a manager, just to finish this off. We've got a substitute. It's Andy Hinchcliffe uh, with his seven England caps. Howard Kendall is the suggestion. Hang on, Hang on a Maybe. minute. Paul what? Joe. Paul Joe. <laughs> Car sets enthusiast Paul Jewell. <laughs> um, we uh, we have to. I think we have to tie this into Chinch. Uh, Ron Atkinson was another suggestion um, because of the plate of Kit Kats. Uh, Glenn Hoddle has been suggested on Twitter uh, as well. And obviously Sean Dyche didn't get in the team, but he doesn't get on the bench either. So we have. What have we got it down to? Paul Jewell, Ron Atkinson, and Howard Kendall. For Howard Kendall, there's a few hands yeah. and one wee. Which on its own, sounded slightly unimpressive. Uh, we have uh, Ron, Ak- did I? Yeah, Ron Atkinson's next. We've got a few for that, which I guess means, and I deliberately left it till last. Who's the manager going to be? Is it Paul Jewell? There you go. Yep. There we go. Thank you very Lovely much indeed. Job. So we have a Paul Jewell 11. Uh, <laughs> rather beautifully. Uh, thank you very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourselves a round of applause for contributing to our Select 11. <laughs> Nate Nadermast before what's Paul Jewell doing now? And that is a great question. I, like, genuinely, I'm fascinated when, by When's your Paul next Jewell's Free doing. Friday for you? When, when oh. is that newsletter dropping into our email inbox? This, I mean, p- potentially this week. I've genuinely not got any ideas. But that is, like, he was, Paul Jewell was quite famous for a while. Like, he was... Did he not get li- linked with... He got linked with the England job at one point. He was the up-and-coming coach. 
Paul Jewell. Yeah. That photo ended <laughs> ended everything. People being able to think about Paul Jewell at all. Not being terrible at Derby. Um, so uh, we will finish this evening with something that I've been long looking forward to, and it is an effort to uh, raise myself above Frey and to embarrass these two. Uh, you'll remember over, uh, I think it was three, three or four years ago, over the Christmas period, we had a game called Football Fun, which was, again an effort to embarrass the three of them on that occasion in asking silly trivia questions and seeing who won. Um, then Chinch did a quiz of his own, which I think about three listeners responded to. None of them got any of the questions right, so you'll notice that it disappeared in a strangely fitting way. But this is our opportunity to round things off with uh, a very final edition of Set Piece Menu Football Fun. But Rory and Stephen aren't going to play on their own, ladies and gentlemen. No, they will need help to share the Embarrassment. So, uh, do we have two uh, volunteers who would like to play this final game on the final episode of Set Piece Menu, which is a game of football fun and involve quiz questions. And bear in mind, you'll be playing with these guys. So if you're stupid and don't know anything, neither do they. So it's okay. Can we have two uh, volunteers? Well, 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 hang, well, hang on, hang on. So we're joined each by someone from the yes, audience. Yes, that's right. You'll have a teammate, Stephen. So I reckon... Mm. And I'd like to pick. Don't point at me. You are, this you is are aggressive. Like an, you are an incredible nerd. Not in the summer. I can't name Premier League teams. <laughs> with an incredible ability to retain information. Mm. And you went to Cambridge. Mm -hmm. That's not really relevant. I didn't do I a lot. Feel there like wasn't a lot of football trivia. I was <laughs> very, very modestly educated and forget football matches pretty much the minute the referee blows a full-time whistle. But think how much so research I think you do. I've I seen your notes with your spidery yeah, writing and your facts. Yeah, but that's because I need them in front of me because... Uh, okay. Mm. So I feel like I'm, I'm going to need like someone super brainy who went to Oxford <laughs> just to kind of like level the playing field here. I think, well, I, I would be inclined to say that Steve is setting me up for a fall here. Does Steve know <laughs> about football and he knows it's July so I've forgotten everything apart from Andrew how many buffaloes are here do we have any buffaloes we have Chris Chris who's that at the back there shout your name Mike Coombs Mike Coombs, Mike Coombs. hello well uh, uh, do we only have three buffaloes I know there's one in the corner oh hello oh and there's Sam of course yes yeah. we've got Sam and Andrew and we've got Chris and we've got Mike do any of the buffaloes like to come up and... They should get first. They should finally you be... Get, a you've got first dibs. There should finally be a reward for Come on then, Chris. You pick who you want to join. And Andrew, if you want to Andrew come Andrew is too. positively Chris and Andrew, itching. a round of applause, please. Thank you. You'll have to share microphones. That's the only thing. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so hang on. So I'll have Chris. Yeah? 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 Andrew, did you go to Oxford? That's the most important question. And he's from now, Cambridge, so this works. Have the seat. Recently... Um, oh, you, are you sit down? No, 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 you guys sit down. You guys sit down. Uh, recently, I moved house, which uh, means, as any of you will know, that uh, your parents come around and say, well, now you've moved house and you've got a garage, never had a garage before. Here's all your shit from when you were younger. <laughs> so they gave me lots and lots of boxes, and included within those boxes was this. A World Cup file of facts, a comprehensive guide and game replica of the world's most exciting sports spectacular, Italy, 1990. The World Cup starts here. And it just says it's a UK yeah, version. That's problematic. And in amongst a, a, a panoply, a cornucopia of interesting stuff, including a wall chart that I filled in as um, an 11-year-old, which is very cute, there is... A trivia quiz on the uh, penultimate page, which is where they always bury the 
stuff that isn't very good. So what we're going to do, we've got 20 questions. We're going to ask 10 each, and I'm going to score as we go along. In fact, does anybody have uh, any sort of ability to count up and write things down? Is there anybody do who can do that? Do any of you have a mobile telephone? <laughs> would, you like to, would you like to come here, sir? I'm going I'm to get you to write on this pad. I've even got a pen. It's just a point if they get it right. And if they don't, it's none. Team names? Do you have any? Oh, Rory's very good at you're very good at very few things. But, no, you're but I, good have to, at I have to workshop them. I can't just do it off the cuff. No, you have the, you have the one that you always go to. Straff Carnage. <laughs> that's not the one I was thinking of, but that's fine. You want, is that well, the one you want? Zainab Badawi's Twenty Hotels, there please. We go. <laughs> For f sake, you don't go to VAR. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad we're clear. So, if you like a mega note, that scorer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just read you questions. You've got to get them right. You will uh, understand um, that the, the, the preamble goes like this, and you'll have to insert yourself into the younger you at the age of whatever you were. And Rory, I appreciate you're at a disadvantage here because you were very young. The World Cup starts here, trivia quiz. How much do you really know about the World Cup? It's history, the great players, and the teams that will go for glory in Italy 1990. Test your knowledge by answering the questions below, then check your answers against the correct ones printed upside down at the foot of the following we page. We can do this. Then not upside down, they're just printed. So that was immediate inaccuracy. Score a point for each correct answer, then check your final score against the Trivia League table to find out your World Cup knowledge rating. That's to come if you manage to do this correctly. So, um, seeing that you're closer to me, uh, Chris and Rory get to go first. Question number one. What is the official name given to the World Cup trophy? Feel free to confer and then give me an answer. Yeah, I think, I think we're, we're confident it's the Jules Rimet trophy. That is correct. A point for Rory and Chris. Zena Badawi's 20 Hotels. Yeah. Question number two, which goes to Stephen and Andrew. How many times have Italy won the World Cup? How many times have Italy won the World Cup? Oh, I'm reading you the questions from this, printed in 1990. <laughs> Go figure. I think they're struggling here. I think the temporal... Please feel free to speak directly into the microphone yeah. as you have a conversation. So we're, we can we're conferring. Yes, I'd like to hear the Yeah, but it's not, it's not your GCSEs. Like, <laughs> we can't answer it. It's the open round and pointless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought it was more like University Challenge. <laughs> well, it's nothing cha like University Challenge. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Is incorrect. It's three times. Stephen. Uh, so that's a, that's a zero. That's a zero, I think. Thank you very much indeed. Question number three is to Rory and Chris. Which goalkeeper let in five goals in his league debut and went on to captain a World Cup winning side? Which goalkeeper let in five goals in his league debut and went on to captain a World Cup winning side? I notice the conferring is taking a bit too much time. So um, again, for the entertainment of all of us watching. Genuinely no idea. So this is a question asked in 1990. It was a question asked in 1990, so you can so therefore it's presumably assume a goalkeeper who would have been expected to be in the 1990. Oh or, no, not necessarily. Or at least existed in 1990 to some sort Before of football. Before 1990. There we go. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, went on to captain a World Cup winning side. Went, yeah, absolutely. Dino Zoff. That's all you need to know. Thank you very much indeed. Dino Zoff is correct. That's another single point. Uh, number four is for Stephen and Andrew. You're already two behind. You need to, I mean, we'll get to question 16. You'll be so far ahead we can give up, uh, which will be pleasing for all of you. It's not uh, a penalty no, shootout. No, but to be fair, no, I'll just warn you, Max, that was quite Steve. a change of pace from what's the trophy called <laughs> to name some esoteric player. Number four, which Italian city claims to have invented football before the English? That is a question for Stephen and Andrew. Which Italian city claims to have invented football before the English? If you don't know, just say, it's fine. You don't get to steal, or even though you have a smug face. 
<laughs> just generally have a smug <laughs> face. Default, default setting. <laughs> smug resting face, all Cambridge graduates have it. I mean, it's annoying because I think I know the answer. Yes, I think you do. You, honestly, it's not even smug, it's just it's a grin. It's a pesky grin. We're going to go with Turin. It's incorrect, it's Florence. So, t uh, t oh, well, there's, there's some emotional connection with the, uh, the audience. That's important. Uh, question number five. Which Spanish, this is for you, Rory and Chris. Which Spanish player is nicknamed El Buitre or the Vulture? Chris is, Chris is a passenger here. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what the World Cup was called. Brilliant. The, I know, well, I was hoping, I think that would have made it again. I, I think there might be more than one passenger up here right now. The... But the thing is that if I just, if I'm like, yeah, well, the answer's Emilio Butragueno, then I'm going to look like a dick, aren't I? Yeah, and <laughs> it, it is the answer, and you do. Congratulations. 3-0 at, at the moment. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I foresaw this. Question for Stephen and for Andrew. Uh, at what age did Diego Maradona make his league debut? At what age did Diego Maradona make his league debut? I think we're going to start getting help from the audience. So if you want to shout out an idea that you might have. The, the, the general murmurings seem to be 16. 16 is correct. We have a point Thank for you very Stephen much. and Andrew and indeed everybody else. See, Rory, this is what elitism looks like. Eventually the rabble get together and try to oust you. Your question is this, uh, Rory, and kind of Chris. How many professional clubs will Gary Lineker have played for prior to the Ita Italy 1990 finals? They, they anglicised it and it's throwing me every time. You think out loud, listen. Remember, still a year. How many clubs did Gary Lineker play for prior to Italian 1990? He went to after 92. So he started at... I presume Leicester. 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 Then he went to... Think... Brilliant. Somebody needs a drink. Think Howard Kendall, Andy Hinchcliffe. Everton. He definitely went to Everton. Well done. Well deduced, Chris. And then he went from Everton to... If it's not Spurs, you've set me up. Barcelona. He didn't set you up, but it was just wrong. And well, so I will admit that I'm not sure unless the Spurs is the other one, but I don't, I don't know if he went before or after the finals. Right, OK. So is it three or four? Let's go... Chris says four, and I... Do you know what? I, be I believe in Chris. Yes, and you're right to. Four is the correct answer. The next question is for everybody. <laughs> Which Yugoslavian star recently, recently, <laughs> transferred from Red Star Belgrade to Marseille in France? Which Yugoslavian star recently transferred from Red Star Belgrade to Marseille in France? The fact that Rory looks blank is not <laughs> giving no, no. me a great deal of enthusiasm. Can the this. audience help with this... No, not Prozneski, he's too old, well, too, too young at that point. Oh, who, who was that? Stoikovic, would you like to take the audience answer? <laughs> and Andrew was thinking Stoikovic, so we, it, would be, it would be foolish. I mean, he's I don't got. Even know if he's Yugoslavia. I'm, 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 I'm going to have to ask for a first name here. There's a lot of Stoikovic. That, that's true. If uh, somebody. There's a lot of Dayans. No, it's Dragan, so you don't get the point. So, nice try. Uh, so our next question is to Chris, definitely Chris now, and Rory. 
He's how much? Four, yeah. It, it might work. It's a number question. How much in pounds did AC Milan play for Rude pay for Rude Hullet in 1987? How much did AC Milan pay for Rude Hullet in 1987? It has to be correct to one decimal point. I will accept no incorrect answers. Oh, Maradona, there's Maradona was a world record when he went to Napoli, and that was five million. And I think Hullet was probably... Oh, that note is Maradona to Napoli the year before. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You're not workshopping a column. Six. We've had a four and a three. We've had a six for Rory and Chris. It's 5.5. No, we're not rounding up. I said to correct to one decimal place very clearly. I knocked off the thing the bank takes out when you use an ATM abroad. Uh, so, uh, no points for Rory Chris, which is suitable for the uh, enduring quality of this quiz. Um, next question. Uh, which Italian, this is for Stephen and Andrew, which Italian striker has played in the same team as Liam Brady, Trevor Francis, and Graham Souness? No, which Italian striker? You, need the, you, need, you, you need had a chance to come up and play in the quiz and you were silent and your arms stayed down and now look at you, sir, shouting it out and getting it which, wrong. Which players? Which Italian striker has played in the same team as Liam Brady, Trevor Francis, and Graham Souness? We've got a guess at the back there, which is There's a guess ignored. at the back that's worth listening to. <laughs> it's Paolo Rossi. It is not. not. It's Gian, Gianluca Viali. Is the was Viali. It was Viali. I thought it was too, it was too soon for Viali. As shouted several times by oh, the gentleman yeah. at the back. Thank you, sir. You get a point, but unfortunately, <laughs> there's no column for you. Next question is for Roy and Chris. Which stadium has the lowest capacity in Italia 90? Which stadium has the lowest capacity at Italia 90? Just a quick guess on this one, please. Bentagodi in Verona. Is incorrect. It is the Adela Favorita Palermo, is oh, the answer. Right. This is the Palermo Stadium. Uh, 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 happenstance that we're all happy to encourage. Number two, uh, you yes. You that one, didn't you? <laughs> no, not even a thought to contribute from that one from Chris. <laughs> Next one for Stephen and Andrew. Which player scored two hat tricks for the winning side in the 1984 European Championships? Which has an S on, Stephen, you'll be furious to hear. The Which player scored two hat-tricks for the winning side in the The question is phrased incorrectly, so we should by default get a point. <laughs> Can you name this, uh, some would 80. say that the Swiss courts wouldn't say, corrupt member of <laughs> recent <laughs> governing body playing for, for... Is it Michel Platani? That is correct. A point at last for Stephen and Andrew. I actually feel like they're quite close now. Yep. Um, uh, update on scores? Oh, it's secret. Okay, okay, brilliant. Because none of us can remember. It's like the 1922 committee. <laughs> He's just going to decide that the last one is worth 20 and Stephen and Andrew will get it right. On the 13th, uh, sorry, on the 7th of May, 1983, this is question 13, one of the world's great players finished his footballing career playing for Bournemouth. Who was he? On the 7th of May, 1983, one of the world's great players finished his footballing career playing for Bournemouth. Who was he? Not a clue, says Chris, who's so beginning to despair. So about your general... Evening demeanour and the, what that guy just shouted out <laughs> with a beard the dark hair footballers with beards and dark hair like to drink handsome George Best George Best is the right answer correct thank goodness for that number 14 is for Stephen and for Andrew and for Mike at the back <laughs> who holds the world post-war record for most goals in a footballer's career 
Pele. Pele, or indeed Mike at the back. Thank yeah. you very much, Neil. I gave you that answer, Brian, and yet there was still silence and blank looks. That is a point for Stephen and Andrew. Thank you very much indeed. And the next question is for Rory and Chris. Which two countries have between them 13 players from the same club in their likely squad lists? That club, Al Ahli. Which two countries that qualified for Italian 1990 have between them 13 players from Al Ahli in their likely squad lists? Which Al Ahli? The Egyptian. So Al one Ahli. of them's Egypt. Yes. Although I shouldn't have had to give you that, but still. And the other was Cameroon. <laughs> the which was the other North? Saudi. Yes, maybe Saudi or. If there might, have been, there might have been like a Tunisia or a Morocco, I guess. Not Algeria, because that would be very awkward. Going to rush you. Um, Egypt and Morocco. Is incorrect, and even though you got half of it right, you still get no points. It is Egypt and the United Arab Emirates. Ah. Close to Saudi, but... Uh, Was that 13 that, Egyptian that players internal. and zero UAE players? <laughs> that sounds like it. No, combined they had 30. Two countries had 13 from Malhoe. They didn't have 13 each. There are two Al Ali's. I think there might be more than two, to be fair. Oh, well, it might have been two Al Ali's. I contest the quiz. It didn't help you in the end, did it? <laughs> it's but unraveling anyway. dramatically really in terms it of it the quality say, of the question. It does say from the same club. Well, that's true, yeah. Singular. Listen to this question master, and he shall be the arbiter in all contested questions. Next question is for you two, and it is for those listening at home, Stephen and Andrew. Uh, which nation qualified for the finals after a goalless draw with Israel, and listen to this, in the South America Oceania playoffs? Go figure. Which nation qualified for the finals after a goalless draw with Israel in the South America slash Oceania playoffs? Chris knows this one. Come on. I couldn't give it away. Couldn't give it away. Which nation qualified for the finals after a goalless draw with Israel in the South America slash Oceania playoffs? This might have been when everybody was in weird confederations. Yeah, but Israel weren't in Oceania. No, but they, would, they might have been in South America. No, they really didn't work, does it? Australia used to be Oceania and then moved to, to this Asia. Because they played Israel. You might suggest that uh, this question is particularly hair-raising. That's the best I can do. What? Off the, off the top of my head. Oh, I see. Colombia. Colombia is correct and not at all prompted by anybody else, <laughs> let alone your opponents. Uh, <laughs> we have two questions each left, thank God. Uh, which great West German star replaced, it says, in inverted commas, Pele at New York Cosmos in 1977? Which great West German star replaced Pele at New York Cosmos in 1977? I've got the answer. What is it, Chris? It is Beckenbauer. Congratulations. Thank you very much indeed. Slight, slight sympathetic and also patronising round of applause. That was, I think that was, that was raw admiration. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, the next question is for Stephen and Andrew. Why was Uruguay chosen to host the first ever World Cup tournament? Why was Uruguay chosen to host the first ever World Cup because tournament? Because they gave the FIFA committee members lots of watches. <laughs> <laughs> Because Jack Warner had a space in his cabinet. <laughs> what was that, Andrew? Mm. There, the Olympics. There is great wisdom in the audience. There is great wisdom yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened to you? Because years they won the gold medal at the previous Olympic Games. That is correct, and once again, completely. Uh, Arrived out with no help whatsoever. Rory's, Rory's really making sure that we drag this down to the I want, final round. I want an, I want right, we've got one question left. I want what there to be the, tension. What is the current score? 
6-5. There to, is to, tension. To Rory we have tension. 6-5. We need this to win. So you need this oh, to no, win. Oh, no, you should ask them theirs first. So okay. they can lose. Right, then. Okay. <laughs> No, we're doing, the, we're doing the, what we're doing I'm the do, ABBA system. What I'm going to do is I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to ask this question of both of you, and you and, and you both get a chance to answer. Okay. Ooh. So it could be a tie Sudden or death. a win. Yeah. Well, no, no. I think if we get it, it's winner takes all. No. If if it's a tie, I'll ask a tiebreaker. Where were the World Cup finals held the last time Scotland didn't play in them? Where were the World Cup finals held the last time Scotland did not play in the final stages, in the finals themselves? Where were the World Cup finals held the last time Scotland did not play? <laughs> mm. there, there, is, there is an audible hubbub. So where the everybody's the trying to work this out. What's up? The, world, the, world, the last one before 1990, Scotland didn't qualify. You don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, no, to okay. clarify, Chris does not I know. don't know either, but I have a guess. Have you got a guess? Or is this like a fast well, I, I, had a, I, no. I had a guess, but Andrew has come up with a very valid point that it would have been a bit too current to 1990 for it to be a tricky question at the time. Your guess first, then? My guess is Spain, 82. Spain, 82? That was also my guess, but I will, for the purposes of drama, I will say West Germany, 74. You're both wrong. It's Brazil. Brazil in 1970 was the previous time. The World Cup wasn't in Brazil in 1970. Sorry, uh, Brazil in... What am I missing? Mexico you mean Mexico 1970? Mike is really adamant, and to be honest, <laughs> I've come to regard him as a father figure. I'm, I'm sort of... I'm inclined to trust Mike over your book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brazil, so it's 1950. That oh, must be bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Do not doubt the book that says that Israel were either in South America or Oceania. <laughs> okay, so we have an opportunity then for... Never mind winners, I feel like we're all losers. <laughs> yeah, we really are. We have an opportunity, thank you, for question number 20, which is this. Let's ignore question number 19. In its entirety, how many times has the host nation won the World Cup? Can we trust the answer? Who knows? How many times has the host nation won the World Cup? We have an answer. You're right. And it's, it, you I mean have it's, an answer? Yeah. You have an answer? Bear in mind. If you fire away. Well, I think I have to leave the final word in the last ever set piece menu to Chris, who only knows one word, and that word is... Four. <laughs> what is your guess? And I would suggest that, but bear well, in, in mind that you are losing. In that case, I will say... Yeah. Five. The answer is... Five. No! <laughs> Six six. So here's the tiebreaker. And, and on what, so what are the five? Genuinely, Uruguay. I don't need to know the five. I don't need to give you the list. He asked for a number, not a list of names. Uruguay in 1930. Italy in. It's not the UN. He doesn't need all the countries. England. Argentina. When did Germany went on home soil? 74. 74. Now, it's my fault. That's my We fault. have a tiebreaker, and bearing in mind you're both buffaloes, you will uh, be pleased to know that it's a question about Seppi's menu. So if you'd like to pass it to our, our contestants. 
so it's very simple. It's very I've simple. O- and I've only got to about four. <laughs> four, four may well be the answer. Uh, have the microphone nice and close because it's going to be the first person who shouts out the right number. Tonight, our final episode is what number SPM? 275. Correct, Chris! <laughs> well, uh, And well <laughs> as promised, and in keeping with our underwhelming and also uh, merchandise-led uh, prizes, Chris wins the cup, which is literally an SPM mug. So congratulations <laughs> to you. To Chris, to Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Abadavis and Chris Wilkerson, thank you. Uh, so it just remains for us to say, uh, sorry for keeping you this long, don't worry, we'll be done soon, literally forever. Uh, we just wanted to say, thank you, there's not been enough of that over the course of the evening. Um, uh, we just wanted to be self-indulgent for about two minutes, because I think we've done it enough on the pod over the, over the previous few weeks. And indeed, genuinely, the most, um, almost tear-inducing, I'm a middle-aged man, I find it very difficult to cry with anything that's not related to my Especially son. Especially with all that Botox. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My face hasn't moved for 10 years. But, um, and, uh, he gets his hair cut like once every three days. I wanted to get... I'm the only person who hasn't had a haircut for the show tonight, so that's uh, worth remembering. They both look excellent. Um, but the, uh, it, is, it is the response from you guys, from the audience, uh, particularly in the form of emails over the course of the last few weeks, that has genuinely made us sad but happy uh, in, the, in the fact that it's coming to the end. Sad because the response that we get from you guys and genuinely the, the, the kind of the ability that you have to articulate everything that made us do the podcast in the first place has been overwhelming to a certain degree. Genuinely, I'd I'd love to just read your emails to everybody because they make us feel uh, so kind of grateful for the the interaction. Yes, it's a slightly kind of ugly word, but the ability that you've had to join with us on what we wanted to do when we we started. I spoke to, to Rory and Steve and Andy about the idea of of genuinely trying to bring a more nuanced football conversation to a wider public because, again, selfishly, we thought we were having it ourselves. We genuinely are friends. We genuinely enjoy each other's company. And we genuinely like talking about football, we hope, in a way that you have found that you could connect with. In addition to that, the idea that you've even had any sort of emotional reaction to any of the things that that Rory, that Andy, that Steve and I have been through over the course of the last few years is unbelievable and it is so gratifying. It's unexpected, um, but it is something that I know I personally will be incredibly proud of um, for the rest of my career. So to all of you, for the things that you have done to make me feel better, thank you. <laughs> and it, is, it, is, it would not be what it is without the engagement and the relationship we have with you guys. Um, nothing would be. Um, So thank you to all of you for spending the last five and a half years with us. It has meant the world um, to all of us, and to me in particular, who, yes, genuinely just wanted to talk football with three much, much cleverer people uh, over the course of what has been unbelievably five and a half years. And I know you guys have got a couple of things to say as well. Well, Yeah, I mean, I never... I think when we started, none of us ever thought that you'd get a full-time job, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it was a sort of fairly safe bet, wasn't yeah. it? I tried Let's, not to. I really said, tried it was charitable. To. We were keeping him busy. If, if you'd said to me, we were giving him meaning ago, and purpose. Why will this podcast finish? I would have said general disinterest. <laughs> and right at the bottom of the list would have been Hugh gets job. That was not. I on forgot the to apologise. I also apologise. I'm sorry. The, um, no, it has. It's been 
yeah, it, it's been amazing, and it's been amazing. There's no, I don't know if you've noticed, but there are other podcasts about football. But it's, it's the, I think, after that first, like, initial excitement of, oh, we're doing a podcast, how niche You know, it was us and Jake Humphrey. We basically <laughs> invented it. And the, um, but it's the fact that there's, the community around it's been amazing. And obviously, I saw that firsthand after Rob died, and it has all been, yeah, it, it, it's meant, meant, that connection has meant a lot to all of us. Yeah, me personally, all of us. Chinch, I know, obviously not here, but Chinch, I think, was really genuinely touched by it. And here's a man who does not have emotions, just Howard Kendall forced him to forget about them. <laughs> so well, it's since he was running around trees in Withenshaw Park, I mean, yeah. he basically sweated the emotion out of him pretty season. Just, yeah. he's, a, he's a machine, but it has. It's been, it's been brilliant. And we are really sad that it's, that it's ending. We're, we're not happy that Hugh's got a job. Um, <laughs> We're pretending we are, but deep down we, we resent it. I mean, we're basically only the next round of BBC redundancies away. Yeah. From, so look, just give us six months and you never know and what's going to happen. And he'll be back on being like, actually, do you know what? This hasn't really yeah. worked out, so can we do the podcast again? Yeah. But it has been amazing, and it's been amazing because of the community that's been built up around it, so thank you. I know, I mean, basically the, the life of a football player. Let him have a go, let him have a go. Yeah, but the life of a football commentator is, you know, there are many wonderful things about it, but during the week, you were effectively on a continuous revision exam cycle, and you spend an awful lot of time reading stuff about up about, about random players, which you can then forget. So having this, this being part of an experience in which you've got to think about football in different ways, talk about it in different ways than just shouting out sort of 95% of the time the correct player's name and hoping that that was the goal scorer when the ball hit the back of the net has been genuinely rewarding. And then to have that interaction with people, to, have, you know, to feel like that has been reflected back and to have had communication from, from all over the world, who, from people who seem to enjoy what we were talking about, has genuinely been a blessing. So thank you all very much for being part of it. I just hope that all these people find a football podcast to listen to. You know, there's, there's, um, there's so few of them. Someone will start. Someone will hopefully start yeah. one. Yeah. 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 And let's hopefully they're white men because that's a really underrepresented podcast <laughs> fraternity. So before we go, ladies and gentlemen, a little reminder: the email address will stay open. Uh, that is setpiecemenu at gmail.com. If anything takes your fancy or <laughs> you haven't caught up and something uh, piques your interest, send anything that you'd like to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Who knows, at some point in the future, they may be of tangible value. Uh, as will uh, the Tea Public store, most importantly. You can get your immediately retro SPM gear. Uh, just uh, head to tpublic.com and search for Set Piece Menu. Uh, I imagine also in the coming uh, months and years that Stephen will send a whimsy or two via the SPM Twitter, which is at Set Piece Menu, when relevant or indeed prompted by your good selves. In the meantime, please now encourage others to subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to ask them to find room for us in their podcast schedule. Thank you to Rory and Stephen, to Nadem, of course, and from a distance, the mighty Andy Seven Cap Hinchcliffe. And to you all for listening over the years. We won't be back with another set piece many of you to enjoy anytime soon, and that makes us sad. But we hope that you enjoyed them as much as we did. And if you did, that makes us happy. Good night. <laughs>